Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, we'll start straight away with the good news of the of the week. Uh, we are joined once again after a couple of weeks break by Mr. Andy Stafford. He's back off IR. Uh, the bad news, however, is that on the flip side, we now have Greth on the IR. He apparently had a gig to go to that is more important than the podcast. So absolutely shocking. Shocking form if you're listening, Gref. We are very Shame. disappointed. Shame. We're not angry. We're disappointed. I think that's, that's, that's all we can say. Um, you've just said the two people who we have got, so we'll go straight to Andy, because I've already mentioned him. Andy, how are we doing, mate? Uh, not so bad, thanks, bud. Um, yeah, I've been off for a couple of weeks, had a lot of things to do back home, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back now, and uh, so how's everyone doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. It's great. It's good to have you back. You were, you were, you were dearly missed for those two weeks, so uh, yeah, it's oh, good, good to have you back, mate. It's okay, I'm just buttering you up for the rest of the episode, so you don't try and throw any curveballs my way and put me off. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now we're also joined by Mr. David Grant. Dave, how is one? One's a lot better now than he was 24 hours ago, um, which I'm sure that we will dissect um, pretty badly um, in due course. But um, apart from that, all's well. Um, it's nearly Friday, within 40 minutes. Um, you okay? I'm all right, mate. I've just realised there's a Penguins game on tonight, so I'm uh, not going to get any sleep. Well, Islanders are playing, but it's half three in the morning, so yeah, I'll get sleep. Oh, so you're waking up to watch it at half three, then, getting some sleep before? No. <laughs> you sure about that? They're playing San Jose. No. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, no, I'll give you I'll that. Probably wait, if I end up waking up and watching it, there'll probably be the time where they'll play Baby Shark. In fairness, that's the kind of time when you turn it on, it's that early that there's the person in the bottom corner of the screen doing like the sign language thing. That's that's when you know you've fallen asleep and it's too late, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Moving swiftly on from that one. <laughs> Moving swiftly on from that one. <laughs> so, gents, hockey. Hockey. Um, Let's talk about hockey. There's, there's been some hockey. Well, we'll talk as minimally about yesterday as possible, given that we've not got a uh, any non-Steelers fans uh, present on the podcast today. But... Uh, We'll start with Saturday. Belfast Giants beat Five Flyers 7-1. Um, Manchester Storm beat the... No, they didn't. They lost to the Steelers 7-2. Good start already. Glasgow beat the Dundee Stars 5-2. Uh, the Panthers took a narrow win in Coventry 1-0 against the Blaze. And the Cardiff Devils got a 6-2 victory in Cardiff against Guildford. Uh, on to the Sunday, the Belfast Giants beat the Nottingham Panthers in Nottingham. Narrow win 3-2 shootout. Um, the Sheffield Steelers took a 3-2 home loss against the Devils in a shootout. Uh, Guildford Flames got an 8-2 home victory against the Clan. Five Flyers lost 3-2 at home against the Blaze. And the Manchester Storm took a 6-3 loss to the Dundee Stars, also at home. Um, on to the Challenge Cup. Um, the Belfast Giants beat the Nottingham Panthers 2-1 to go through to the Challenge Cup final. And that was all the hockey played over the last uh, the last seven days. <laughs> Uh, oh no, sorry, no. We have missed one game, and it was the the Cardiff Devils beat the Steelers five nil. Um, no, Cardiff Devils beat the Steelers five nil in Sheffield, so we're set up for a Belfast Cardiff Challenge Cup final. Charge your laptops up. Let's <laughs> hope Andy Dalton's not reffing. <laughs> Scenes. Brilliant. Uh, but no, gents, I'll throw it straight over to you. Highlights over the last week. Clearly um, not yesterday. I... 
Well, that didn't happen. I've already forgot that. Um, hockey was played, goals were scored, a team won. The end. Um, no, a serious point. Um, my highlights, Glasgow-Dundee. Um, nice two-and-throw game. Glasgow rushed to a 3-0 lead. Uh, Bynanen, Jones and Schmier with the goals. Dundee pulled back to 3-2. Uh, Sancho and Sillies. Uh, Matt Roy uh, got the uh, the go-ahead goal for the clan. And Gautier with an empty net goal. Um also, no, it was a, a 3,000 plus attendance in Glasgow. So, given all the changes and restrictions, it's good to see them with a uh, near full capacity in the Braid Arena. So, uh, good on them. Uh, sounded, like, sounded like a good game. And another two points for the clan. Uh, mine's going to be the Fife Coventry game uh, in Fife from last Sunday. Finished 3-2 to the Blaze. A pretty good, very very uh, narrow game. Uh, and those are always the ones you like to see, you know, the, the narrow ones. Uh, Fife have been in decent form as of late. They've not got the points that they, that they needed to be in those player positions, but they play well, nonetheless. Uh, against a very good team like Coventry have been. Uh, it's a decent result for them. So 3-2 Coventry. Uh, it was Coventry opening the score with uh, Yanni Kibabati uh, in the first period. Then the second period, Ross Venus for Coventry made it 2-0. Uh, five answered back with Michael McNicholas. And in the third period, Yanni Larkinen uh, putting the blaze ahead once more. And then getting uh, a consolation goal for five. And uh, one that has to be congratulated for me. And that's uh, Scott Jameson getting his first goal of the season. Uh <sighs> Ever since Dutyum's given him more ice time, he's he's been incredible. He's picked up a few assists as well, uh, and just his play, even from uh, watching the webcast when Steele's played there a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's a very good player, very very good player, and and, and you can see why he's uh, given the ice time, given the position five for at the moment. But that's great because he's he's going to get the chance that he's not really had before. Uh, now, so that's great for him. It's going to be great for his development, and it's showing. You know, it's showing right there with his goal uh, and the uh, contributions and assists that he's made. So he's he's going strength to strength right now, and uh, just uh, hope he gets some uh, time going forward and is able to, uh, to put more points on the board. But great start for him, uh, and um, yeah, very decent game to watch. Yeah, my game is um, the first instalment of the Nottingham Panthers versus the Belfast Giants. This was the game on Sunday uh, in Nottingham. Seems like a, maybe a bit of a weird choice for a Steelers fan to pick. Uh, Sunday wasn't necessarily the best day to be a Steelers fan either. Will's taking a, a shootout loss to the Devils. Actually, if you rewind to about 20 minutes before the end or 10 minutes before the end of the uh, the game that I'm about to talk about. Actually, as a Steelers fan, you felt like you were sitting pretty. We were beating Cardiff and, uh, and Belfast were losing to Nottingham. So uh, a very weird change of events very quickly, but this sounded like a really entertaining game. Um, so the Panthers went up 1-0, 15-41 on the clock, uh, scored by Robbie Biagion. Um Literally 12 seconds later, goal number two goes in for the Nottingham Panthers, scored by Robbie Biagion. Uh, nothing happened in the second period by way of goals. Uh, we come into the third, uh, 8 minutes 36 in the third period. That man, again, Scott Conway, uh, definitely making a bid for Brit of the Year as far as we've talked about previously. Uh, 2-1 to the, the Nottingham Panthers at that point. 
And then the heartbreaking moment, if you're a Steelers fan, was 59-59 on the clock. A second left to go. Uh, Mark Cooper, assisted by Griffin Reinhardt and David Goodwin to tie the game up 2-2. Game goes all the way through overtime, um, at which point it goes to the shootout. Uh, and again, that man again, Scott Conway, gets the game-winning shootout goal for the Belfast Giants to uh, to turn a Panthers team away from victory. I think they were putting the corks back in the champagne bottles by that point. Uh, that would have been a huge win for them. It would have been a huge win if you're a Steelers fan, uh, as much as a certain contingent of Steelers fans might not like it when the Panthers win games to help us out. Um, it would have been a huge win all round. But the main reason I've chosen this one, gents... Um, we talked last week, and Andy, I appreciate you, you weren't here, but we talked last week about how the, the, the Giants were just really dominating in terms of the amount of goals that they were scoring. Um, it might have actually been a podcast before last, actually. It might not have been last week. It might have been the week before. But we spoke about the fact that you're watching the Steelers crawl through games, one-goal victories against the likes of Manchester, Dundee, Glasgow, and then all of a sudden you're seeing the Giants turn up and, and, and win games 7-0. You're seeing the Giants score in bunches and, and concede very few goals. This is the first result we've seen in a while that's made the Belfast Giants look human, look beatable. Um, against a team like Nottingham who haven't had the best of seasons. Um, so, yeah, you know, a big result. Uh, a good point for Nottingham if you're a Panthers fan. Um, if you're a Steelers fan, like I say, you were definitely... I was watching the game, or I'd got Twitter on while we were watching our game against Cardiff. Uh, and was not best pleased when I saw that he'd scored at 59-59. Uh, but across all sides, I'm sure it was a decent game to watch. Shots on goal as well. Belfast Giants had 52 shots on goal. Um, the Panthers only conceding three, obviously two, and then one um, in the shootout. So Kevin Carr making however many saves, 50 saves plus shootout goal. So, yeah, decent performance by Carr, by the sounds of it. Decent game all round. And next thing I've got written down, gents, unless anybody's got anything to, to, uh, else to discuss over the last week. Actually, I'm saying that. Oh, no, that's next to the semi-finals. The next thing I've got written down is semi-finals. We won't want to talk about this because it doesn't go well for us. Um, but as a neutral Elite League podcast like we try to be, uh, we feel it's only right that we have to give some airtime to this. So I'll throw it over to you guys as to how you want to do it. Well, Go with the Belfast-Nottingham game. We'll get the uh, the niceties out of the way. Um, by all accounts, a very end-to-end game, uh, very close, um, with Belfast edging. Uh, a couple of goals from Goodwin. Um, with well scoring on the power play to bring it level, um, and uh, Goodwin scoring in the third period. But on all accounts, people were there, were following um, on social media. Very back-and-forth game, quite a good game of hockey. Um, with Belfast when it, edging it and then hosting the final because they were the first seed. And then we go to the Telefires game. And what a game of hockey that was, if you was a Cardiff fan. Um, Cardiff took advantage of every mistake that Sheffield made. Um <clears throat> In the end, Stanovic started. He was pulled after four goals. That was after a 2-1 and a 2-0. That gave Cardiff their third and fourth goal. Bruss was put in. Um, another mistake that gave Cardiff the fifth goal. And I suspect that was probably the easiest 
cup semi-final Cardiff will ever win in their franchise history. Ever. If they get, if they have an easier win to make a final, then, my God, that team who will have played will have been beyond poor. Um, so, I suppose, before we dissect the second game a bit more, Belfast Cardiff in the Cup final, 16th of March. Um, unfortunately, it's a midweek, um, much to the disgust of many Cardiff fans. Um, I must admit, I'm impressed. It's £10 a ticket to a final. That's pretty good going. Um, but it is on Premier Sports, so everyone will be able to go and watch it. Um, and they're the best team win that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot I can really say to that, really. Just, uh, yeah, awful performance from Sheffield last night. Uh, do we want to talk about it in, in depth as a group or dramaturgies? Talk about it as much as you want, mate. All right, okay. Or as little as you want, mate. It's up to you. All right. Um, I don't know what it is with Sheffield and uh, Ch- Challenge Cup knockout stages. Two years ago, I think it's 2015, when we had Devils in, in the uh, final. Uh, we put a decent game at that game, but obviously came out uh, as losers, losing, losers in the final. Um, and then you go, go a year after that. Uh, I think, was it the quarterfinals where Nottingham at Sheffield? And semi-final. Semi-final. Semi-final first legs six years ago to the day mm. of the game yesterday. And it was like 10-something. It was 8-0. It was 8-0. 8-0. 8-0, yeah. And then obviously, yeah, last night, and pretty much the same thing happened. So uh, it seems to be a, <laughs> a bit of a common trend over the years when it comes to uh, Challenge Cup in our barn, or second barn, whatever. Uh, just crazy, but I could tell it, from, from in my opinion, I, I could see a result like that was coming out. I think the loss to Dundee... Uh, in Dundee a couple of weeks ago, I, I think that really had uh, a few players bummed out. I saw quite a few players since then; the heads been dropped a bit. Um, they did really well to get the win in Manchester, uh, but again, those same players, I, 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 they just didn't, didn't quite seem there as what they were uh, previously. And then last night, it, it just seemed to affect a lot more players. The, you know, just uh, just just weren't there. Uh, making mistakes that this team hasn't made all season. And I think one of those games was coming, but on the flip side of that, there just was not the effort there. I mean, they gave me as Cardiff that we had uh, in, the, in the penalty shootout loss uh, last week. Um, one example is a power play. I think we did pretty well in that game to cycle it round, but on a power play situation when you're not going to have any shots on goal, how how do you expect to capitalise on it? And it was the same same last night as well. Number of power plays and barely a shot on that. And that's been our absolute downfall recently. It's it's just gone from being one of the best in the league. Uh, to be a major contribution to the amount of goals that we're putting up to just absolutely crashing down. Uh, and just certain performances from from the group last night was an 
in my opinion, unacceptable. You know, these are players that have played in massive leagues around Europe and, and North America. And, you know, not once have we seen any of that this season. Uh, so it just, just wasn't... We just weren't there, to be honest with you. Weren't there at all. Uh, could have put at least a bit more effort into it from the get-go. But I mean, the first 10 minutes, I, I, I think, was was pretty decent. And then he just absolutely caved in from there. But this is, this is not a team that, would, that we're used to this season. Uh, obviously, as a Sheffield fan, as Sheffield fans, us three, we hope we can turn around and show why they're top, why they're top at the league for a reason. But uh, last night and last week... In parts last week, I failed to see how they are there. So just hopefully, you know, gives me an incentive that you know, uh, Coach Fox accepted that were that played embarrassing basically because they were. But hopefully they can take that and and show everyone why they are uh, first in the league for a reason, uh, and that's a massive, you know, in, incentive that they've got to prove people wrong and prove that they've got a right to be there. I'll, I'll trick you one thing um, before Joe comes in. There's only twice that's happened from Sheffield's perspective that they've been blown out of the water. Both 5-0, both by Cardiff. The game after, the response was appropriate. It happened last time. And the team has shown, it's demonstrated to all, that it can respond. So I'd like to think that'll happen. Obviously, Sheffield played Nottingham um, on Saturday. But like you say, Sheffield need to respond, um, and they'll hurt. But you know what? I'm actually I'll be glad because it'll show the care. It'll show they wanted it. And yet we all looked at it and we gone perception. They weren't much there. Um, but you know, they will. A big response is required. Um, and if I'm honest with you, as I mentioned in the, in the kind of build up, a few. If there weren't a few apologies given to Stanovic with some of the uh, the defending in the second, because he he was owed a few because he was let down badly, and I didn't think it was because of Stanovic's performance that he was pulled. I think that was got to send a message, got to do something. Um, I don't know what Joe thinks to that in that respect, but it was the of all nights for things to go Pete Tong, he didn't want it that night. It just happened. And that sport. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it'd be it'd be wrong of us not to give credit to Cardiff in some in some capacity. They came out, they came out with their game plan. They knew what they needed to do, and they executed it perfectly. Um, I think if you look at the stats, the Steelers had, well, sorry, I think Cardiff had one shot on goal the entire third period because they didn't need to do anything by that point. They just coasted to a win. Um, I, I think the the thing that was most difficult as a Steelers fan to take with this this result, other than the fact that I just don't feel like we turned up, the thing that was most difficult for me to take was actually we walked out of that arena on Sunday, probably the most irritated that we've been all season, because the game on Sunday we dominated. We were a much better side when we played Cardiff on Sunday. Cardiff, as far as I was concerned, didn't deserve a point from Sunday's game let alone a win. And that was the most frustrating bit, was they come into our barn, they take points off us in a game that we deserve to win. We had physicality. I genuinely think, other than the irritation of the fact that we didn't come out with both points, we actually 
that was probably the most entertaining game of the season. And that was a great prelude, as I'm sure the Belfast-Nottingham game was on the same day. A bizarre turn of events that Cardiff and Sheffield played and Belfast and Nottingham played the, the game before the Challenge Cup semis. But, um, do you know, I think that was that was a perfect prelude to the game. And, and I went into the game, and I, in fairness, I had, I had a, a mate come from work, and I actually said to him, I said, in fairness, if it's anything like Sunday, you're in for a treat, whether we win or lose. That's, it was a great game. Physicality, there were a couple of fights. I think Dowd fought Koffler and um, Traversa. Uh, was was it Brandt? It was Riley Brandt. Brandt. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, a couple of fights, some big hits. Referees kind of put the whistles away and let the, let the, let the players play. And that's not a dig on them. It was, a, it was a good, entertaining game. And then you go to this, and, and honestly... It was like every aspect of the Steelers team broke down. Sometimes you'll see it where you have a weak game defensively. Sometimes you'll see it break down when you have a weak game offensively. And sometimes you'll see it where you have a weak game between the pipes. We've certainly seen our fair share of all of those across the season. And previously we've said that the Steelers have been winning games that they didn't deserve to win. And that's what champion teams do. That's what championship winning teams do. They win the games that they didn't deserve to win. We turned up on Wednesday... And there wasn't a single point of our game that had any structure, that had any real drive about it. We were weak defensively. We were weak offensively. Yes, we had some poor defending, but certainly Stojanovic will want a couple of those back. And I'm pretty sure Brust will probably want the one back as well. But in fairness, that was, that was not really much he could do. I do feel bad about the netminding. I'm not really going to go after that. I mean, I've, I've, I've called out our netminding for being weak in, in certain instances. And actually, for me, was one of the things that lost us the game against Cardiff on, on the Sunday. Um, was a, a poor lack of post-to-post movement from Brust for their second goal. In this instance, I take the goals out of it other than maybe a couple across the five goals scored. I heard someone say, just can't remember who it was, someone turned around and said, when Dane Todd has a bad game, you know the Steelers aren't going to get anything. And that's probably the first game where I've seen Dane Todd and thought, not there. Not there. There were genuinely, for me, two players that I thought could have walked out with a man of the match that game. One of them was Brandon Whistle, and the other was Martin Latal. He was the only, they were the only two players for me that were skating from start to finish. But the Steelers pride themselves on being a team with speed. That's, that's the biggest thing. I think for me, gents, feel free to say if you disagree, for me, we're the fastest team in the league. And there wasn't once that we broke through their line of defence yesterday. Now, I'll give credit to Cardiff on that, because, yes, you have your players that sometimes you might say, actually, they were a bit vacant in that game. There were also players on our roster that you would never, ever have said were vacant. How many times have we turned up to a game and gone, Dowdy didn't perform tonight, Johnny didn't perform tonight, Eberle didn't perform tonight. They're your, they're your key players in the games where your team's not performing that you look to for some drive. And even they couldn't get anything. So I don't know whether when you take a step back and you look at it as a neutral or you look at it as a Cardiff fan, is that because they executed their game plan so flawlessly that they made us look like a team in the league below? Um... Either way, for me, you listen to the pre-game interviews, Fox's response was, yeah, we're just pretty much going to go with the same game plan as, uh, as Sunday. You know, we deserve more out of that game. It worked well for us. We're going to run the same game plan again. 
Scalda banked on that. And Scalda changed his game plan. You know, shortly after that, it was child's play. 5-0. We were never in that game. Never in that game. So, it's disappointing. It's disappointing, but there's no, certainly no doubt that the better team's going through to the final. Um, you know, if you listen to um, I think the Steelers podcast, one of the things that Simsy actually says is the last time it happened, a.k.a. six years ago to the day when we lost 8-0 at Sheffield to the Panthers, we went on and won the league that season. Now, I don't want to say that. I don't, wanna, I don't want to look at it that way because, to me, that's a scapegoat to try and get people to go, well, well we lost tonight, but, yeah, it's that, oh, the, it's the Challenge Cups, the Mickey Mouse Cup kind of thing. We're out of it now, so we're going to say it doesn't matter. I'm not bothered about that. You know, at the end of the day, this was a cup that we should have been setting our sights on retaining. Retaining. It wasn't, it's not even winning. It's retaining the cup. And we hadn't won it for 17 years. Yeah. 17 long years. Many finals miss out. Semi-finals miss out. Yeah. I am with you. You know, we can all say, oh, well, this happened, you know, after last time. No. For me, if you are a holder of a trophy and you are defending it the year after, or whenever it is, obviously it went the year after this time because of COVID, you defend it as damn hard as you can. You give everything to to keep it. Go back to back. You know, different sport, different context. Well, not different sport, but different league. Tampa Bay did everything. Go back to back with a Stanley Cup. When you win stuff... You don't want to just give it away. You're not just going to, um, I don't know, some tea party and just giving it up like flies away. You've won, you won. You, you were that team, nine twenty team, worked damn hard to get to the final, win the Challenge Cup. And I appreciate certain, you know, obviously the team, team's not the same two years down the line. But the, the badge is the same. The coach is the same, but the badge is the same, and that badge, reputation, winning. And owning titles and making Mars, so we can go. Ah, well, you know, last time. Who cares? And any team, Belfast will say the same. Cardiff will say the same. Nottingham will say the same. Who cares what happened then? But we did this. Yeah, we may do that. We may do it again. But the here and now is the tournament we're in or was in. And to dip out as disappointing, it's all, well good, it's all well good trying to do all oh, this and all that just to make it, you know, to get the lights, get the appeasement. But do you know what? Everybody in Sheffield should be hurt. The players will be hurt, we know that. Staff will be hurt because they worked hard to get a good crowd in. Fans, us three, we know because we were there last night and many of us, you look at social media, hurt. It's not a bad thing though. It's not a bad thing because it's a nice kick up the backside. Anything you want that's worth having isn't easy to get. Unless you're a Cardiff fan who wanted to win the semi-final. That was easy to get. True. But that's, you know, hopefully the final will be a lot, easy, a lot difficult for them than the semi-final. But you know, yeah. the premise of, I appreciate you writing that, but the premise, if you want some it, a cup, to- cup tournament or a league title or anything, it's difficult. You have to go the hard yards. So, you know, 
That disappoints me. I said, well, who cares about the cup? I cared about the cup. Christ almighty, I won't forget that, that final Hooter in Cardiff when we won the cup and the scenes in that block and the blocks around. Yeah. I won't forget that. Singing Coyote Ugly afterwards. And I was in I was in Manchester in 2003 when we last won it. You don't forget them. So to dismiss it, terminology I could use, I won't use on this podcast. But you can imagine what my thoughts to that. The Steelers, for me, could go on to win the league and playoffs this year, and that still doesn't excuse that performance last night. That And the other thing for me is it's a non-season ticket game. It's £13 a ticket for everybody. So everybody who's there has paid for the game. It's not a game that's... Granted, you pay for it even on a season ticket, but it's not a game that you've paid for in a mass thing. People who were there chose to be there because they expected a good semi-final performance. And to me, it's, you've got your one side of it, which is we wanted to retain that trophy. And if we're trying to pass it off now, that that didn't matter because it's the Challenge Corp, that could get straight in the bin. That is, that is, that's not even a remote comment that we should be making. But the flip side is, I don't, I don't even know what the attendance was last night. Has anybody got any idea what the actual attendance was? I'll find out. Like, however many people, cheers, however many people were in that building last night, they all paid 13 quid for a ticket. And there's a few hundred Cardiff fans that went home happy with it. The rest of the people that paid for that ticket, I'm pretty sure, would have quite happily got in a queue at the end of the game to get a refund. And I've never said that about a hockey game. And that's not me having sour grapes. I'm quite happy to lose a game. I have no issues losing a game. But in that in that way, in your own barn, when your team don't even turn up... And on TV. And on TV. This is, well, we'll come to the TV bit in a minute because I, this is—I don't understand that decision anyway. But I just—it just doesn't sit at all with me. Five thousand seventy-one was the attendance, which for a midweek game and on TV was damn impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it—it's—it's it, the shambles, boys, and—and and that's the thing for me. Which we, we try and pass that off. We try and say, oh yeah, but last time that happened, we won the league. It's fine. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I really hope it isn't that, fine at all. I really hope Aaron Fox uses it to go, right, you felt bad then? Do you want to do it at the end of the season? I, I honestly think you're fair. Utilise it to really motivate them to get in the business end to, to finish the job that they want to finish off. Yeah. But, well, that's the thing for me. Like I say, we've, we've said that the defensive line, the forward line... It, it was all lacking. It wasn't like you could pinpoint it on one aspect of the game. The coaching was lacking. I, think I don't. I'm not regularly said that, but the coaching was lacking. We had no plan B in that game at all. No, much the plan B so. was let's take out Stojanovic, put Brust in to try and. Be, that's the only thing we can change. Remember the old school times where if you went two goals down in your own barn, you'd send out someone to go and scrap and try and change the momentum. We weren't even someone that went out last night to try and make a big hit. Which we, give the crowd the first, which we did in the first period when it was level. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Gents, I think I think we could do this to death. We could we you know, I'm conscious that we also need to discuss the Belfast game and uh yeah, we 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 could talk all day about how unacceptable that that result last night was for Steelers fans. I, I'll, unless anybody's got anything else to add on the game, you've got your hand up, so I'll throw it back over I've to you. I've got one more 
That was after, some of that came out after the game. That I, yeah. I can't ignore um, from a, a, a perspective. Um, but I'll just go on to think the Belfast game. Like I say, reports very end to end, you know, free flowing. Great performances from both Nottingham and, and Belfast, and that by all accounts was a, a game you know worthy of a semi final. You know, two teams giving everything and one team just edging it. Um, so, you know, I think the final will be a cracker. You know, if, if Belfast and Cardiff play like we know they can play, that'll be good on the TV. Yeah. Um, one thing, I, it came out last night, late last night, and it's now no longer um, in the public domain. Wait, wait, wait. Let, just pause it there. Let's talk, throw that in afterwards. Talk about okay, the Belfast yeah. game first, because you've talked about the Belfast game a bit there. What I don't want us to do is kind of have okay, a throwaway I... about the Belfast game, because I feel I feel like we've talked for about ten minutes about the Steelers game. I don't want it to be that the Belfast game was a quick game. I know we didn't watch it, but let's just break down the Belfast game a bit more. I know what you're going. I know what you're going to say, and I know the relevance of it. But just putting it over to the yeah. Belfast game first. What? And, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys first. And Dave, you've just said that you've heard it was a decent game. I'll throw it over to you guys first. Let's, I'm just thinking, whatever we can do to have some breakdown of this game, let's just let's just cover both aspects. That's all. Um, I mean, obviously, it's difficult as we were at, at one game, and there's nobody on, on the panel who was, was with the other, so it's, uh, it's it's difficult for us to go into depth, and, and we appreciate, you know. <laughs> If it were, if if someone was there, it'd be a lot easier to talk about it. Uh, take a lot more time as well, which was obviously what we wanted. But um, it's what it is at the end of the day. But um, no, I just just it sounded like a great game, and one that I think I'd have rather have gone to just for the quality of the game. Uh, personally, um, definitely one that should have been televised, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things where, you know, you still want to progress the league. It's progressing pretty well, I think. Attendances are going up, uh, which is amazing. Part of that is of is of course uh, people will watch the games on Premier, uh, and someone will got in, in, into it, find local team through that, and, and that's great. And what you want is to have a game every week where it's actually interesting, and it's not just always, you know. A one-sided game like it was with Sheffield Cardiff last night, so uh, it's pretty bad for that one to, to, to be on and, and not the other one. But obviously, nobody could really uh, predict that it was going to be that one-sided. But yeah, for me, two two teams that I think really deserve uh, at least something this season: Cardiff and and Belfast. Both teams have been playing incredibly well. Um, yeah, they've dropped a few points maybe here and there that they shouldn't have, but they're still good quality teams. Got a great two depth uh, rosters, and they could definitely do something this season. Both teams, obviously, one of them will do in the Challenge Cup. Uh, whether in the other two, com- two competitions, that's that's you know just to find out yet. But two good teams and, I, and like Dave said it's, it's going to be a great final uh, I'm 100% going to be, tr- going to be uh, tuning into that um, yeah it'll be quite a, quite good I think because even though it is a you know it is a midweek fixture um, if you are a Cardiff fan or, or, or a neutral fan that has you know uh, if you need to use up some time 
uh, from like work because on my holidays uh, they refresh in April and I've still got to take two days. So I'm sure some of the people will be in a similar situation. So if, if you've got a couple of days spare that you need to use up for the refresh, then I'd 100% go and have a couple of days in Belfast. Uh, it's a great city, a lot of things to do. Nice time centre uh, and the Giants organisation are uh, world class. Obviously it'll be a neutral event, but still really, really nice people. Um, Cardiff, Cardiff fans, Belfast fans, amazing. There's a lot that we know and, uh, uh, and, and incredible to be around. Uh, so just just get together, have a good laugh, have some um, cokes, and just enjoy it. You know that's what it's about. And obviously, if like I said, if if, if I've got if I've got um, some spare days, can you just just go to Belfast, have a few days there. A lot to do besides hockey as well, and it, it'll it'll be a fun few days. And that and that Wednesday'll be a great game, I'm telling you. So uh, yeah, um, whichever you can do, go to the game, watch it on Premier. I'm I'm sure it'll be absolutely fantastic. You say two days, make it three days, and you incorporate some Patrick Stein. Which, yeah, there is that. Of all places to there be. There is that, yeah. You know, do that. Um, just on the game itself, because Andy's covered the final aspect in terms of what to expect. Nottingham outshot Belfast 33-30. Um, no, that, that's the, that dis- if that gives away, given that Nottingham haven't been, have not been, by their own admission and by their own standards, a good team, for them to go into Belfast... As Joe said numerous times, free flowing score, free flowing team that scores left, right, centre, to outshoot them and keep it, you know, and only lose two one. I think that just shows how close the game were. Yeah, um, and it was a power play goal, and so that that's it. It was a power play goal by the Panthers. So five and five, Belfast was able to to do its job, um, and yeah, you know. Belfast, if you've got two or three days, just go. Turn a ticket. You know, jump on a flight, jump on a ferry. Enjoy. Yeah, too right, boys. I mean, in fairness, it also sums up the strength of the Belfast team. You're looking at this sheet, and I'm seeing golfer team, Belfast Giants, 1-0, scored by David Goodwin, assisted Scott Conway. Golfer team, Belfast Giants, 2-1, scored by... David Goodwin, assisted by Mark Cooper and Scott Conway. We literally talked about the last game where the goals were scored by Scott Conway and Mark Cooper, and the power, the, the, the shootout goal was scored by Conway. But I don't know what Belfast... I mean, we've only seen them once this season. I think we got quite an uncharacteristic blowout game against them. Um, that first line. That first line. And I know that we... Um, you saw Chris Ellis unintentionally troll the Steelers fans by referring to it as the best uh, the best line in British hockey this year. I mean, we've, do we all agree that that quite probably is the, the strongest line in, in British hockey this year? We know what the other line is. We watch the, the other line that people have referred to regularly on a, on a weekly basis. I don't see the strength in that that you see in, in Goodwin and it, it, uh, Conway. If there's a better line, you're doing well. Mm. So that's one hell of a line. Um, you can go... I, I'm struggling to think of a, a full three-people line with the strength of that 
you know, you sometimes have two people and the third person just compliments. That's there's no third person complimenting that line. That third person's contributes as much as the other two. Yeah. It's it's a strong line, it's an entertaining line. Um and yeah, if you if, if and yeah, the line that we watch on its day can equally go toe to toe. But there's yeah. not many lines that can get close to that across all ten teams. Yeah, not a prayer. Not a prayer. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this, gents, just before, just because, just before we come back to um, to what you want to raise, Dave, because we've, we've alluded to it a couple of times about it not being on TV. What what do we think to the Premier decision to to, to televise the Steelers Devils game over the Giants Panthers game? I mean, we can say it in hindsight, yeah, we wish that we were on TV, we didn't get a five nil spanking on TV, but I just don't see the logic. Belfast were the top seed. It's in Belfast, so it's not going to be a trip that's viable for an away team on a Wednesday night in a semi-final. I just don't see the logic of televising the Sheffield game over the Belfast game. I disagree. And there's the reason why I disagree. Because theoretically, and obviously this all done on a theoretical basis, it should have been a walk-off of the Giants, given how how far apart Belfast is to Nottingham. Theoretically, Sheffield-Cardiff would have been, should have been a close game. And on Sunday, it demonstrated it's a close game. So for a theory, on a theory basis, what would look better on TV would have been Sheffield-Cardiff. It just so happens, roles reversed, and unless you're a Cardiff fan, it didn't look good, to, <laughs> didn't look good on TV. But yeah. fairly, if you, if you look at on that basis, and we said on the podcast, you know, the distance between third and fourth, Nottingham are far, far away from Belfast. So you... you yeah, I know. I know. You, I, I get what you mean. I know, I, the, the flip side I, for me is where you're coming from in terms of you know the, you'd have thought it'd be easier given that the travel and, and, and everything else. Yeah. But from a what would look better game wise, theoretically it would have been Sheffield Cardiff. The, the flip side for me though is anybody making that decision on the basis of how poor form Nottingham's had in comparison to previous seasons. Nottingham are an organisation that are always going to pull out all the stops in a semi-final game. That was never going to be an easy game. That was never going to be the Nottingham team that got beat by five in their own building three weeks ago. That was always going to be a team that rolled up and put everything in to, to bring a result back. Because actually, in fairness, for Nottingham, Challenge Cup was probably the closest they were going to get to silverware this year, unless they can pull something off for playoffs. So actually, I, I, I get, I get you, but you see, fifty-fifty. That, that's the thing, and it always would be. And also, in fairness, I imagine it was easy to get all the cameras and things like that on a Wednesday night to Sheffield rather than get flying them all over to Belfast. So I imagine that also played some part in it. But it was more of just the difficult for the away fans to get to because it's in Belfast. Top seed team playing. It just, I don't know. But like you say, you, it's, it's whichever way it was going to be, there was always going to be someone that was disappointed it wasn't their team on TV. And it actually happens, we're disappointed it was our team on TV, so it's a bit of a difficult one to discuss. Yeah. And also they had but, the stream as well, so... It, true, yeah, true. Be, and in fairness, had it been the other way around, the stream would have been available at Sheffield. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah. In fairness, yeah, I completely forgot about streams then, as I was saying that. Andy, what do you, what do you think? I think it's true. Um, you just never know how our game's going to go until obviously it's a final result. Um, so this is what it is at the end of the day you know it, it, it says a lot about 
how your team played that you didn't that you're quite annoyed that they were on TV compared to that they weren't. So just sums how Sheffield played last night really. But it, it it's always a fifty fifty because no one knows what the game's gonna be like. But I think logically Sheffield was the right place now. Um to have it, to show it just wasn't the game that I think anybody expected it to be. But you're gonna get those whether it's you no know, uh Challenge Cup game, um or a regular season game, we just never know how what it's gonna be like, how it's gonna turn out. So it's it's unfortunate for everyone watching. But not a whole lot you can do. Yeah, no, that's it, mate. That is it. It's you make your decision, you stick by it, don't you, at the end of the day. Um yeah, anything else on televised, gents? No. So, to coin a phrase from the original through the keyhole, I'll throw it back. So, David, it's over to you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so some of that made made um, social media, and, and I don't understand why this made social media, but there was something in there which I didn't feel could be left without comment. A conversation that is from from the Sheffield's media team, and there was a comparison between the interactions of a game that you win and a game that you lose. And there was a comment on there that had uh, it, was, it said Sheffield Steelers fans summed. Now you can imagine what the other word was. It's an assumption because you don't see it, and we've seen a few teams over the last couple of years where they kind of well you have more grumbling that's you know sums them up and you just think why would you do that why would you target a group of fans who are hurt after a bad result and you know if you want to really dissect well dissect Sheffield but this could be any other other 10 teams in the league if you if you go down that line you know these are the teams that these are the fans that you want to sum up that buy the shirts en masse each year and they, apart from the other tweak or two, don't change. These are the same fans who buy, in mass, 50-50, shirt off your back tickets, helps the club. Away travel, travel in numbers. In a pandemic year, took a superb attendance, given the pandemic and all the restrictions everything. Merchandise, constant purchasing. You, you go we walk past the shop when it's open, and it's always people there buying you want to sum up the fan base? You want to call out the fan base? That same fan base that does that, and it will be the same in Nottingham, same in Belfast, same in Guildford, same in Coventry, same in Manchester. Why would you do it? The fan base were hurt. Now, first of all, why that piece of information made it onto social media that it was deleted? But why say it? Why, why even allow it? And why think it? I just It baffles me that. I've not seen Sheffield do that for a fair while. And I've said, we've said the same, it's disappointing when other teams do it. I suppose it's only fair we say it for a Sheffield. You know, encourage them. Get them back on their feet. It's what everyone needs to do. But to, to, to do what we saw, I felt a bit, yeah, didn't, it wasn't a good look, shall we say. It's, incred- it's incredibly stupid. 
But, you know, it's it's not the first time that we've seen uh, individuals' opinions posted, uh, you know, on, on forums or by the club itself. I mean, it's probably the same, per- well, more than likely it's the same person every week that says we're playing against one team, uh, but it's not the right team that's posted. It's someone else that we're not even playing. Uh, so it just so sums up Sheffield's social media really that to you know take it to that level is something else. Uh, just the amount of mistakes, the amount of you know, the amount of um, I'm trying to think what the word is, but the amount of personal opinions that is just broadcast out in place that it shouldn't be is is diabolical, unprofessional, and just makes them look stupid. And, you know, we've got to take it out of this old, the old sort of boy sort of ways and uh, actually be a bit more professional with it. But, you know, we're probably more more chance of uh, Nate McKinnon signing for Sheffield than that happening. But, uh, you know, we can just hope. <laughs> Just stupid, really. Should have thought better. You know, as as someone representing the club, you've always got to think twice about what you're doing. Yeah, okay, you're not getting paid for it. It's a voluntary thing. And yes, we're not a team in the NHL or anything like that, but still, you've got to maintain a level of professionalism. Otherwise, it's it's just going to filter through uh, and just really really hurt individuals and um, and cause more more serious uh, outcomes. So it's something you really got to think twice about. And obviously on, on this occasion, again, it didn't happen. But just stupid, but something I think we're pretty, pretty accustomed to. Uh, sad that really, isn't it? I mean, yeah, with the old boys club strikes again, and this is the problem. Uh, the most baffling part about this, and in fairness, it tells you how stupid and unnecessary it was when that post is no longer there. That that tells you all you need to know. And the saddest bit is, it's all about deflecting away from the fact we lost the game by turning it on the fans and going, oh, look, we're complaining because we've lost again. Of course we're complaining that we've lost again. We just got drummed 5-0 in the zone building with a team that looks as if they didn't even turn up. You expect the fans to be like, oh, I'm sure we'll get them next time. What, like, what on earth do we expect? The thing that the, the most bizarre part about this from the outside looking in, and actually it makes a hell of a lot more sense once you're actually, when you're a Steelers fan or when you're an Elite League fan, because it's everybody knows it's the same individual every time. It wasn't even the person that made the comment that shared the, the image. That would be like me going out now screenshotting something that we'd posted on the on, on the podcast chat on Messenger and then posting it out on Facebook and going, ha-ha, look at what Andy said tonight. What? what? It, it's on a chat. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I hate the slagging off of the fans anyway for the complaints about a game. But he's perfectly entitled to air his opinion among people within the club and go, isn't this about typical? Yeah, fair enough. Whatever. Slag the fans off behind the back, so like behind closed doors. I don't care. But why is there this need to air your dirty laundry the whole time? And it's one individual that takes it on himself to create controversy around the club every single time. 
It's like, oh, no PR's bad, no bad, yeah, no PR's bad PR. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And when you've got 5,000 fans that paid £13 each to get a ticket for a game that the team didn't even turn up to, you owe them a damn sight more than to slag them off for retweeting the fact that we lost the game. Also then take into account the fact that we are one of the more hated teams in the league. And actually a lot of the retweets on that were probably fans from opposition teams going, ha, look at it. Steelers, what do Steelers did well? It doesn't matter. It's got to be there to create a narrative that isn't even necessarily there. But that's that's the biggest thing for me as a Steelers fan. I just feel let down about the fact that it's this constant. Oh, they've gone on they've gone on Twitter and complained afterwards. Of course they have. If you go on TripAdvisor, do you expect to see more good reviews than bad? Because I'll tell you something now. You're probably not going to do. Because if I've been to somewhere and it's been really good, the chances that I'm going to post about it, pretty slim. If I've been somewhere that's really bad, I want to get, I want to say my two penny. I want to put my two penny in and say, oh, yeah, this is what's happened. So it's only the same. That's what social media is. And it's this constant thing. We've heard it previously on the, on the Steelers podcast where they referred to the Steelers fans as fickle. They're not wrong. Who cares? You know, every week it's the same question. Oh, what are they saying on social media? And it's the same response when we've lost. Oh, yeah, oh, everybody's complaining and they're not happy. Of course they're not. Do you know what? If you're not happy with it, just don't comment on it. We don't need to comment on what people are saying on social media on the podcast. Why is that necessary? When you've just been drummed 5-0 in your own building, it's pretty damn obvious what people are saying on social media. It's, it's just the same thing. And again, like I say, the fact that this has been screenshotted Posted on a different person's individual profile to stir up some controversy and then deleted, probably because someone higher up within the club's gone, get that gone. That is, like I say, the old, the old boys club strikes again um, and it's the change in the club to me that we need and will never see. I agree with you there, Joe. It always seems to be just swept under the carpet and forgot about, and it just keeps happening, happening. And it's the same thing again. Nothing, no actions taken. Nothing. It's just, no, it's fine. No one noticed. We'll just keep things as it is. It's exactly that, and it's. I can't remember which one of you said it, so I apologise. But one of you said the. You coined it perfectly. It's not professional. And I just think, across everything else. If nothing else, if we if we want to create controversy about the team, whatever else, we should at least be having some attempt at some professionalism. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit of professionalism. That's all we're asking for. None of it. And um, Why aren't fans allowed to have opinion? I mean, you go on uh, some of the NHL teams after a big loss and you see them out of, you know, on social media and see them out of angry faces and Comments saying oh, this player played really bad and all that stuff. It's, it happens in every league. People are allowed to have their opinion because the other day they're paying their money to watch them at least turn up and and play. And Sheffield didn't the other night, and they deserve and they deserve, you know, to have those opinions on that team because they just weren't there. They did not turn up at all. You say that, Andy, and we're all fans of, of NHL teams and we're all in respective groups where we talk about our own respective teams. The, if, if, if one of our teams lose, I know, Andy, it's rare for you this year, mate. Um, one of, more regular for me. 
lot of sack the first line, get rid of the coach, sack the goalie, get rid of this play, change this one, trade him, trade that. Absolute other end spectrum of where you see from the fans that were complaining last night, that were grumbling justifiably about that one result. So, you know, I mean, Christ knows what they'd be like if you had that level of yeah. interaction. You know? It, it, sometimes... I, I've done it myself where you want to say something on social media forums, you just go, do you know what? I'll not press enter. Just delete. Maybe that may be just a nice theory to just use for the rest of the year for just, you know, do you have to really say it? Do you? No. Just press delete. Never happened. No one knows. None the wiser. But I private think that's chats the most... as well. Private chats as well, that's even worse. Well, that's the most frustrating thing about it. Like you say, all you need to do is have a think before you click enter. Is this necessary? And I think that's the most frustrating thing about this is out of everything we've seen so far, this is the least necessary by far. And none of them have ever been necessary. But this just this just create this is a whole new ball game. To post a screenshot from a private chat that someone else has posted slagging off the fans. That that's the biggest way of creating a controversy without being involved in it that I've ever seen. It's just, just unnecessary, and I just I I just don't understand it, and I don't understand how it's still happening. And it'll happen again, which is the sad thing. Yeah, yeah. Anything else on this one, gents? Or are we happy to, uh, to stop ripping into the Steelers? Because I think they got that enough last night, to be fair. <laughs> we had more than toilets did. Oh. Just cut it out yourself with that one, could you? No, I couldn't. <laughs> move swiftly on from that. I'm going to move swiftly on from that. I will say this, gents, as a kind of a positive. It's not a positive from a Steelers fan's perspective. It's a positive as a whole. Um so I, I rarely leave games early and I bought, with about a minute left in the game yesterday I was like that's it I'm going to the pub and uh, I walked over to the noose which irritatingly was shut so I ended up at 18.10 that's, that's by the by I was stood at the opposite side of the road to the noose outside the arena and I could I could still hear the Cardiff fans chanting don't take me on I could still hear it from outside the pub and I stood there for a second, I, you know, irritated as anything at the, how our team had performed. And for a second, I just thought, my God, I hope we're like that when we win. Because honestly, that, that and, and for the amount of Cardiff fans that he took up on a Wednesday night, it was a good effort for the amount on a Wednesday night, but there weren't thousands of them to make that much noise. Pretty good going, to be fair. So if you were, you were part of that Cardiff crowd, and we know a few people that were, I'll uh, I'll tip my cap to you on that because that was, yeah, that was something to be fair. Yeah, they they were good. Um, And afterwards, they they thankfully um, sung a different chant um, in relation to we're off to Cardiff, Belfast. Obviously, we're off to Cardiff. They're off to Belfast in reference to the final. Um, But no, they uh, they they put a shift in. Fair play to each and every one of them. And uh, as we've already said, made the best team win on the sixteenth. 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. So, yeah, like we, like we said, on TV, um, yeah, 16th of March. Let's uh, let's see how it goes. I'll ask you this now, boys. Who's taking the Challenge Cup? Cardiff. 
Cardiff. I agree. Yeah, I think Cardiff. We know what Grafford said. He'd say Manchester, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> right, gents, are we happy to move on to the next thing on the agenda? Leave the Challenge Cup well and firmly away for the time being. Unsight like, like us again next week, yeah. Say again? Unsight like, like us again next week, yeah. yeah. The Challenge Cup isn't happening again next week. No, I mean the social media stuff, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, social yeah, firmly, media. yeah. <laughs> firmly. Um... Yeah, all right, we'll move on for now then, gents. We'll move on to the next thing on the agenda. It's not a positive thing necessarily for the league. We talked about it last week, so we're not going to go into the ins and outs, but obviously we discussed the issues with the commentary blaze announcer, the comments in relation to referees across the board with the, the announcer, and I think a fan also making threats to referees on social media. And we talked about Steph Hogarth's response via Twitter. Um, the Dops have got involved. Uh, as we'd say, or not necessarily dops in this instant, but the league have got involved. Commentary Blaze has been fined for the conduct of off-ice staff during Game 86 on su- Sunday the 13th of Feb. The actions during Sunday's game brought the game into disrepute and will not be tolerated at any arena in the Premier Sports Elite League. Further higher fines will be imposed on any clubs if such actions are repeated in future. Um, and that was followed up by the comments that... Further issues arising from the game have been dealt with internally by the Elite League and no further comment will be made. I'm going to throw it straight over to you guys. Well, it could be anything, couldn't it? It could be anything from <coughs> from like a, a fine or God knows what else. So that's, that's not much information to go off, really. And it's, it's not enough. Because... If, if if nothing's been done about it, then then there's just something really seriously wrong with this league. I mean, uh, obviously, I, I wasn't here last week. Um, that was, I think, when you talked about the whole Steph Hogarth situation. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, okay, maybe not the smartest idea to uh, put on a ref jersey and ask, and ask for a whistle as a DJ. You know, that's not really... Your sort of place. You can play whatever song you want. Fair enough, but that was a bit, a little bit, a little bit too far. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a personal attack or anything like that. So I, I don't understand why, you know, John Dalziel should should get all that, and yet after Steph Elgarth's comments about Coventry fans and Coventry people on Twitter, that surprisingly he was still refing the week after. I mean. Where is where is the line here between you know, between club personnel and league league people? It, it's just absolutely baffling that that Hogarth can just sort of get away without any sanctions whatsoever and still get to ref, still get to do what he does, still get paid for what he does after comments like that, and yet you're finding you're finding commentary a fair bit of money for. You know, a, a bit, a bit of a, a disagreement, really, because you know, like I said, what Dalziel did wasn't a personal attack; it was just his idea of fun and, and to get a crowd going. But then to do this to find, you know, that Stuart as well, it's it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. For me, 
the, the line of done internally, no more comment, it leaves a lot of interpretation. Now, he may have been suspended or punished or fined, and I have an issue with the league protecting their officials from the aspect of, and the only aspect of, that, you know, they, you know, as a group, you want to look after them because they're the ones that does the games. I have no issue with that. They could have easily not said anything. And if people want to go on social media and go, well, there must be this, there must be that. That then, that, then that is people making up on nothing. The problem with that is now is that sentence you could read so much interpretation to it. It's I don't think it was a cleverly worded um, release. Uh, the, I, I, I would be dumbfounded if he wasn't suspended. No, not suspended. Fine, because he clearly wasn't suspended because Sheffield saw him ref both uh, games at the weekend. Ref both games a week after, so he may have been fine. And I have no issue with not putting it out in the open, if I'm honest with you. There's an element that they do need to protect the referees. And, you know, keep keep that element behind closed doors. Just word the PR better. You know, and we've mentioned many times in the 90 episodes we've done on this podcast, and we'll mention it for another 90 episodes plus, how Elite League Twitter, Elite League social media, they smell... Something that's just not right, not good. They go for it. They hound it. And they won't stop. They'll create the fire that's not there to be created. Don't give them the tools to do it. And I just feel, if I'm honest, that the PR does that. So, again, it's it's a bit poor, but I couldn't understand why commentary were fined. And Truth be told, I agree with it. Because again, yeah, I appreciate what you said, Andy. As an official of a game, as a rink announcer, you, you've got lines to, to keep to, and he didn't. And in fairness to him, he's paid the fine. He, Coventry haven't paid the fine. He said, no, I am paying for that. It was my idea, my suggestion, I am paying the fine. So kudos to, to JD, uh, down at Coventry, uh, for that. But yeah, I went happy with the, uh, the the line about the everything else. I've not really got much to, to say about the fine, to be honest. I, I'm in the same boat as you, Dave. I think I, I kind of... I, I, I expected that the fine was going to be given. I think that's quite a neutral way of putting it. I, I, I can see the need for it. I understand that, yes, what he said was, wasn't really called for. It was a stupid decision. I understand exactly why he did it, and I have no issues with him for, for doing it, but I also think that the league had to do something, and they they have to protect the referees in that respect, at least that they have to show that they've got their back in that respect. Um, we spoke before last week and said that Hogarth already hadn't had a good weekend with, with previous incidents that happened the day before in Sheffield. So... You know, when you've got a referee tweeting out that he's con- seriously contemplating retirement because of the treatment that he's getting as a referee, it's the time that the league has to step forward and try and do something to prevent that. And I haven't got a problem with that. Um, I get that it was a, I get that it was a, a decision made by him. It was a light-hearted decision. Completely agree with you, Andy. It, it wasn't a personal attack on Hogarth. There were two referees in that game also. 
So the thing is, it's all been dealt with like it was specifically aimed at Hogarth. It was just as much aimed at the other referee. That doesn't necessarily excuse it, but there was also another referee on the ice. It wasn't as if it was specifically aimed at Steph Hogarth. However, I understand the need to do something about it. The league have got to protect the refs. The fine is the thing that they've got in their arsenal now to do that, and that's what they've done. I just don't think you can leave it at no, no further comment will be made. And I, and I, I agree with you, Dave. I understand that you've got to protect the refs again. The issue is if you turn around and go, we find the referee X amount and we've given him an X amount of suspension, the first thing that you do is undermine his authority. You undermine that referee. And so the next time he goes into a game, like we've said before, it's then, oh, okay, here's that referee that said something he shouldn't have said. Now, to me, and I said this last week, he shouldn't ref again in an ideal world. Because we've already said he can't realistically ref a game in Coventry. Because the argument from Coventry is going to be, well, you've clearly got bias against us. And if he makes a call against the other team, that the other team deem as weak, their argument's going to be, well, you're clearly trying to make it up to Coventry after the comments you made on social media. So there's no way you can coach in Coventry, coach, ref in Coventry. And if you then say he can't ref in Coventry, you're then acknowledging that he's got bias, which then undermines him as a ref, and then means that he might have bias against other teams. So to me, he shouldn't be refing. But that's in an ideal world. And the problem is there aren't enough referees to be able to do that right now. So I understand that. The fact that they've said this, further issues arising from the game have been dealt with internally by the Elite League and no further comment will be made. So what they've done, they've basically just said, right, OK, Hogarth, don't do that again, but we'll protect you in future, don't worry. What else are they going to have done? They might have fined him. Like you said, no suspension. You ref the following two games. So I just, I, I just don't, I don't follow that at all, and I just think it, it just gives ammunition to the referees to be able to say whatever they want. Can you imagine what? if the NHL hadn't sacked Tim Peel? I, I just, I just can't follow the logic, and I just think, I think the league needs some accountability towards that. And that's the problem. We've, we've said before that there's no transparency. We've said before that there's no consistency and for this all that says to me is that they're saying to referees crack on do whatever you want you know the way that Hogarth and I'm not trying to specifically target a referee but he is the referee in question the way that he man manages a game and 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 you can't necessarily say speak because we can't hear him but you can generally see the, the the body language and the tone that he's using when he's addressing players is horrendous and I'm not being funny, but if a player responds in kind, I think he fully deserves that. If you're a referee that expects respect as a referee, you have to give that respect back to the players. It's a two-way street. Is it respect earned as well? Oh, 100%. It's not earned by commenting about Coventry's unwashed, in inverted commas, on Twitter. Yep. It's earned by ref in a good game, showing the, showing the consistency across both teams. Has he apologised for that comment on social media? Not as far as I've seen. No. If he had done... Burkamp. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we've all played sport in, di- in different sports where you, you have the respect for the official. And, you you, you know, that respect's built from how, like, like Joe said, you know, how they conduct the game, how they manage the game, how they communicate with the person. You know, obviously Six Nations, you see the respect that the players have for the officials, but that's built through the communication. 
Same as cricket. Respect for, um, for different umpires through how you communicate. It's just it's a very simple thing, but it's same in every sport, and that is just one of the like Joe said, it's one of the key things. You know that statement that ISOQK UK put out backed it. You also though, the referees also need to make sure that they're also doing their part, and it's not a difficult thing. It's a simple thing to make sure you know. If they go out of the game, they handle it well. The players said, you know what, he's done the best he can. Yeah, he made mistake, but he's done the best he can. Players. Because that's sportsman respect, and I'm, I'm just not sure. I mean, so we've we've commented at games, we've commented on the podcast about my management of, of different referees and how good it's been, and, but also how bad it's been. And I think Mr. Hoggarth's at the, the wrong end at the moment in time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. If 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 a public apology was posted, that's a step in the right direction. But having not done that and then refed again the following week, that's a bit of a red flag for me because that's basically like, oh, you know, because you're referee, it's fine, you can post that. And, and that's just, it's going to give that incentive. If you just apologise, put a public apology beforehand, that's, that's a good positive step. But because he hasn't done that and still refed, that's a big red flag for me anyway. No, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. At least an apology should have been made. But this is the problem. It, it's, it's, it's walking on eggshells because they don't want to make the referees look weak or they don't want the referees to look like they've got no authority. And that's the problem. But you've got to find that line. Because right now, it just looks like he's biased. And you can't have a referee that's biased against any team. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Have we, uh, we got anything else on Hogarth, gents, or do we want to draw a line under it now? Sam, we'll draw a line under that. We'll move onwards. So, if you listened to last week's podcast, um, you will have heard the three interviews that we had last week from the Glasgow clan fan, the Cardiff Devils fan, and the Belfast Giants fan. Um, if you haven't listened to it, uh, press pause on this episode, uh, go on, listen to the previous episode, and then press play back on this episode when you've listened to it. Um, just plug in previous episodes. I don't know how. I, 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 I saw know. you go, mate. So I, I saw yeah. you work. Just thought I'd plug the previous episode. Um, work. We are continuing it. We said it's going to be across multiple parts. I think if all goes to plan, it'll be three parts. I think, Dave, is that right? We're hoping three parts. It may we may go into overtime in the fourth part. Yeah. But that's the the aim is three parts. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've got the second instalment of that now. We have an interview with a Sheffield Steelers fan, Mitch Wharton. We've got a Coventry Blaze fan, and it's a Coventry Devils fan. I don't know where that came from. Coventry Blaze fan, Scott Finley. And we've got a Manchester Storm fan, Carl Seed. Uh, so we'll throw that straight over to that now. And, um, yeah, enjoy. And next to join us on the podcast, we head to the Steel City, a bit close to home for me, uh, and we welcome Mitch Fortin to the podcast. Mitch, thank you very much for giving your time up this evening. No worries, Dave. Thanks for inviting me. Not a problem. So, let's jump straight into it. Season so far, as expected? Better? Worse? Uh, I think I expected it. I expected us to be top two. I, I didn't expect... Nottingham to be as bad as they were, or as bad as they are. I mean, they're slowly turning it round, but from a Sheffield perspective, 
yeah, we, you know, we're always there or thereabouts. We've not had a real bad, like, awful year. One's not to talk about for a few, you know. And, you know, ever since we've had Foxy, Foxy's uh, always recruited well. So, yeah, yeah, top top three was expected. And you mentioned Aaron Fox, and he's, he's put, again, a roster with, with experience in multiple leagues and good experience. Has that put, has the performances kind of demonstrated that experience at the top levels sort of the, the guys with the 100-plus NHL, SHL games, that, that, that type of experience? Has, has the performances overall sort of shown that? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the jury's still out from, for some people on Keaton Ellaby. Um, you know, he's our most... Um, had the most NHL experience. He's our most experienced NHL player. So, like, he was, you know, the Aaron Johnson for this year, I think. You know, like, oh, this guy's come in with 100 NHL game plus experience. And, yeah, I think Keats is, I think Keats is fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not on the We Hate Keaton LB bandwagon. I still think he's one of our highest logging minute D-men. So, you know, mistakes will happen. But, you know, that is what it is. But, I, like you said, he's, the experience squad that he's put together is I mean I mean we'll get onto it later but Martin Latal is just something else he's like a elite league version of Conor McDavid you know that speed that in, that initial like as soon as he goes forward we can rely on him to get into the zone so that's the key I must admit I don't think I've seen him lose a foot race at all this season no. and I thought Evan Moses was the quickest player <laughs> and that's it. turns up hold my beer uh, you mentioned Ellaby um, and we'll just go on and Latal out of the new imports that have been in Sheffield, which ones, and maybe you want to delve a bit more into them too, but which ones have stood out more for you? Dane Todd. Dane Todd massively. You know, running the Fantasy League, uh, everybody's like, oh, I need Mosey in because he's a Brit and he can also play as a four, but he counts as a D-man in this year. Um, but Dane Todd is like one of the highest scoring D-men in the league. Like, Obviously, over the last couple of years, Guildford have had uh, Kali Akered, the Swedish guy. And he was like the top scoring D man. And then it was also Ben O'Connor. Then obviously Benny's left and whatever's happened there. But uh, Dane Todd has been huge. Um, you know, he's logs. He's such a nice skater as well. You know, he, he's always there. And he's also a quick skater. I mean, I don't think we've got many slow players on the team this year. I mean, we've got a couple, but that's just, I think, because everybody else is so fast. Um, but yeah, I think Dane Todd's one. Um, I think. Uh, Justin Hodgman's slowly coming into his own now. You know, he was getting lots of assists at the start of the year. I mean, he wins quite a few face-offs, and that's, also, that's always great. But um, he's chipping in with the goals now. So, yeah, it, it helps out the current contingent that we had. It's obviously, you know, the top points going to league being Valley. So. Um, it, it, I'll talk about that. We was there at uh, was the, uh, the Conor Cup semi-final, and in a couple of weeks, it's the final. I, I suppose... How gutting is it not to see Sheffield in that final? Bearing in mind, A, the injury bug we had that weekend before and during, but also yeah. the effort that was put in by the whole squad in, a, in the three games in three days. Yeah, I mean, it was superb, really, wasn't it? I mean, the worst bit was, because obviously we were both there, and you're looking up into the rafters and you can see top goal scorer Robert Dale, top goal scorer Marco Valorand. Tanner, who can just bring it every, every single shift, and Brendan Connolly as well went down in the first game, and he's not played for a since, you know. And Cons is a bigger miss than everybody, than I think most people think, you know. He's that real, like, sandpaper that can get under everybody else's skin, and, you know, he, he scores points, and points win your leagues, points win your games. Like, 
you know, the games that we lost by recently against Cardiff and the games that, you know, Cons could have been in there and took a hit or won a, or won a power play or something like that. And yeah, the Continental Cup, it had been amazing to have gone to it. You know, it was, it was great to be there. I, I'm still annoyed that we all decided to go and spot Alborg on the Saturday. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, no, because if Gomel win, we're through. We don't need to worry about Sunday. <laughs> but no, let's go Alborg. No. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was a good laugh. And apart from Joe doing his ankle, doing the conga, but we don't talk about that. Not mentioned that once. <laughs> and honestly. Uh, but I must delve, delve a bit more with the comment. I thought he did the same thing when he played for GB at the World Champs last year. Um, I was worried, given the amount of penalties took, and I thought he was his discipline was outstanding. It's that kind yeah. of flat line where he gets the penalties, he gets the power plays, and he creates a bit more than than the, than the, the um, score sheet suggests. That's it. Um, Cons has to play with an edge. That's what he's always told us. That's what. I, if any, like, but the funniest thing is, if you meet him off the ice. The nicest guy you'll ever meet is like obviously working with him, Mallard and everything like that. It's just like, oh yeah, if you need anything, just let me know, and it's all there and it's all done. But yeah. um, he just needs to be allowed to play with that edge for him to play his game. Yeah, and I must admit, I've got to be honest, I, I think with the teams in the final, I'd like to think Sheffield would have a, a very good chance of uh, probably against Alborg for to win it. But who knows? Maybe next year we have yeah. another look at it. Who knows? So. Well, we won't be in, we won't be in the Continental Cup next year. We'll be in the Champions League because we're going to win the league. I'll hold you to that for later on. We want to play. Kind of marmite within Sheffield fan base. Uh, Barry Brust. Lots of experience. Lots of top leagues. What, what's your feel on how he settled into to Sheffield? I don't think he's coming for the final payday. Let's, that's what everybody else seems to think. I think you know because. Oh, he only plays at home, and you know he's not willing to play two in two, or he's not willing to leave his dog and go and play an away game in Scotland or something like that. But I think he's he's just goalkeepers, as you know, especially are a, a special breed, and you know Barry's a Barry's a very special breed because he likes to fight people. You know, I think arguably, apart from the hit that Matt Register handed out the weekend, the best hit we've seen all season at Sheffield. <laughs> is the one by Barry Brust against Belfast. And the referee's like, oh, two minutes interference. No, you just didn't know what to do because you've never seen a goaltender go and hit somebody. But um, I think, let's put it this way, I'm defending Barry. I don't have any single player like, in the last few seasons you've been like, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. I don't have that issue with any of these players this year. And that's such a nice thing to see. Um, you know, you're always thinking, oh, that guy's not playing well. Maybe he's only got a couple of weeks left. But this year, the team that we've assembled, and like, I'm, we'll get onto it shortly. But um, you know, Rock coming in like for the preseason games in Nottingham, everybody's like, "Oh, who's this guy?" And then you just look at his stats, and you're like, "He's six foot nine, okay." And then he's, you know, he's helping Barry out because you know, like Barry said in an interview earlier in the year, he arrived injured, or he had an injury. And then he sorted that out, and then he was playing well, and everybody's like, "All oh, right, this is what Barry Bruss is all about." And I'm not, I'm not going to doubt Barry. I think Barry is the man. Yes, sometimes, sometimes he's a little crazy, sometimes he's a little over aggressive in his crease, but the experience speaks for itself, and I think Barry will be fine. You mentioned uh, Stanovic, um, and I say out of the blue signing. 
Um, yeah. If we're all honest, for Sheffield, yeah. given that for years it's been import goalie, backup goalie, to then have this second import goalie out of the blue. But is it fair to say that, and you kind of touched it, but he's, he's complimented by in, in not just the, the on-ice push to keep him on his toes, but everything else is kind of given that kind of support. And do you reckon that's made a little bit more of a difference than people may realise? Absolutely. You know, if you're Barry and you're carrying a knock and you can see that Rock's playing so well, you can be like, oh, right, I can, I can afford to get myself to full match fitness and know that the guy that's in between the pipes isn't a young, inexperienced Brit kind of thing, you know, where the, our league's predominantly known for the guy that's the backup net mind is just the doorman. Sorry, Dan Green. Um, uh, but, you know, it helps him play off semi-finals. So, Sheffield, renowned for a number of years, um, like Cardiff and Belfast, with a strong core of Brit players. Anybody that you reckon could be, or names to look out for, that reckon may start to replace that core as the players get older and, and retire? I'd like to see Josh Waller. Obviously, he picked Cardiff over us this year. Um, but we had him in the Elite Series, and the speed that he's got would complement our team massively. I mean, imagine a line of Mosey, Latala and Waller. You know, good luck trying to catch them up. <laughs> um, I'd like to see Josh Roller playing for us. I'd like to see, um, depending on what happens in Manchester, I know they've signed Hazeldine for three years, but I also like, like Josh Tetlow at Nottingham. I think Tetlow's a, a perfect replacement for maybe Davy Phillips. I don't know how long Davy's got left. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the most important one right now is Jonna, because Jonna's going to be retiring soon. You know, he's, he said he'll... He'll, he'll give up when his body gives up, but he seems to be the bionic man, so I guess we, he could have another five or ten years out of Jonah. But I think Josh Waller would be a perfect replacement for him. Um, I like Sam Duggan, also at Cardiff. Um, but, I mean, apart from the guys at... I mean, David Clements at Coventry, he's he's a good, solid demon. Um, we've already had Ferrara, that didn't work. Um, but then again, he was he was really young when he played for us, and back then we we had coaches that didn't give that much ice time to the non-important Brits, so to speak. I mean, you're not, you're not going to have a, you're not going to find a Robert Dowd and a Liam Kirk in the next batch, are you? So, I think though, the Brandon Whistle, a special mention, has been, you know, he's had his summer off and he's come back, and his confidence that he's got for scoring loads of goals at Leeds is. He is, he's impressing me, you know. He's come back and he's skating like the wind, and that's always good. So well, He looks a different player for when he, that's it. his first full-time year in, in Sheffield. So, business end of the season, you know, 20 games left, um, big fixtures coming up. Obviously, we're recording this Tuesday night, tomorrow night's the Challenge Cup semi-final. We've got big fixtures against Belfast. After a long time away from these things, obviously with COVID. So how good is it to have nights like tomorrow, like what we'll see in the next few weeks? How good is that to have that back again? Amazing. It's what you've missed. It's when when it comes to three o'clock on a Saturday, the football's on and you're like, oh, hockey's on. Oh, wait, no, it's not. You know, the football can afford to play behind closed doors because they've got all these massive TV deals and all this money that's just pumped into it. But having the nights that we've got, you know, the, like you said, the business end of the year is where 
champions are won, championships are won and lost. It's the it's the witching hour. That's what they call it in the NFL. They call it the witching hour when losses become wins and wins become losses. And then little points that you can pick up in overtime or then points that you're dropping overtime might come and back, bite you in the backside. But it's amazing to have it back. It's, you know, having it, even if you're at home watching it on a stream like I normally do, um, that you've still got it. You've still, you can see, you can, you've got live hockey back in Great Britain, you know, and that's the key thing. You know, you can, you can mess up your sleep pattern watching the Tampa Bay Lightning like me and getting two Stanley Cups in back-to-back years. But that's, that's got a salary cap. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to have. It's amazing to have back. And knowing that you can just, you know, jump on a tram and go to the arena and support your team and go to away games and everything like that and go and watch. Like, the Continental Cup, that was amazing to go to. You know, supporting your team in another country was like the CHL, but, you know, just a little bit worse because for a London winner. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, this is what we miss. And this is this is... This is it. it. Like you said, it's the business end of the year. There's 20 games left. Who's going to take it? Who's going to take it? So we'll, we'll end it on, on some of that you've already mentioned slightly, but we'll develop a little bit more. As in, is Sheffield going to win silverware? And if so, what are they going to win? So you mentioned one. Is that it? Or is Sheffield going to lift more? I reckon, and this isn't a Sheffield bias, I reckon if our team becomes fit and healthy, so, like, for example, if Connolly comes back soon, um, I mean, Foxy said in an interview today that Marco Valoran's slightly injured. If he, if that's not a long-term injury, then, and he comes back soon, then we'll, we'll be fine. And we can win the league. I think we can win the league in Belfast in a couple of weeks' time. I reckon that's the make or break. And it sounds a little odd because we've still got to play them four or five times because of COVID cancellations and things like that. But that weekend in Belfast, if we can, even if we can take three out of four, maybe like go to overtime on the Friday and then win on and winning regulation on the Saturday, that is the key. I reckon the boys will be revved up and win win tomorrow. So that leaves whoever the winner of Belfast and Nottingham is, and that's in Belfast and. Obviously, they, what they scored was 0.05 seconds left on Sunday and took that to overtime and won on penalties. Um, I reckon if we play Nottingham in the Challenge Cup final, we'll have it at home. And we seem to have Nottingham's number again this year. Like, Tomo always had Nottingham's number. Fox, he always... I mean, touch wood. Um, he seems to have Nottingham's number. And, yeah, I reckon we can win it all. I don't see any of the top three not winning the playoffs, let's say that. So the current top three, one of those teams will win the playoffs. I mean, but that's stating the obvious, but I don't see any, I don't see like a, a Coventry in like doing like what they did a few years ago and finish eighth and winning the playoffs. I don't see that happening because the teams that are in the top three now, so those Cardiff and Belfast will win the playoffs. And I think if Steelers go in with the momentum of we've won the challenge cup, we've won the league, the fans will be behind and going, we are number one. And everybody will be going, we all like Steelers, clap your hands. But we'll be, we'll have the energy. And, you know, if Cons comes back and arrives for playoffs, then we've got a bra- and we've got fresh Brendan Connolly. Players is looking pretty tasty too. And we'll take the whole thing. And we can even count to four Nottingham. <laughs> uh, a very interesting take. And I'll, I'll finish on that. 
when I hear that chant, you know the world's healed. Um, <laughs> Nate, thanks you for your time this evening. Um, very good uh, answers there. So, yes, thank you very much. No worries there. Thanks for having us, Paul. And next on the uh, the podcast, we head to uh, the Midlands and we head to a fan of the Coventry Blaze. And thank you very much, Scott Finley, for joining us. No worries. Happy to be here. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go straight um, from a generic question. How's the season been from your guys, from, from a Coventry perspective? Frustrating is uh, what I just label this whole season. Um brought in Matthew Thompson to be our main centre guy. He picked up an injury after a hit off Mark Louis in Cardiff, was out for a few weeks, came back. You could see that he has got raw talent, can move the puck forward, always wanting to look for a pass and gain, gain offensive downtime. Um, he came back and then we played uh, Belfast and Lake was a knee on knee. It was not a, not a great hit off Lake. Uh, and that's uh, basically Matthew Thompson probably done for the season. So we've got our top guy out there. Brawl came back after a big season in 1920. He was a big player, big player in the league. Uh, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but from the reports of what he's like in the room, he's a big guy for the room. Uh, he got a fantastic opportunity back home. That you, That's his life going to be like for the rest of his career. So, you know, you can't say, oh, no. Go, don't go back. So we, we kind of struggled there and we lost Andrew Johnston and Charlie Corcoran, who were our two of the best centres in the league, never mind our team, in the 1920 season. And we've not replaced that. We haven't got a bona fide centre uh, for this season. It's like we're under 50% on face-offs one. And then that puts us on the back foot for the rest of the game. So... It's not been great, but then I think there has been factors into why we are not where we want to be. And bearing what you just said in mind, so we, we mentioned on the podcast a few times, it's, it's kind of a big year for Danny Stewart. He's been the head coach for a few years. He's not done bad, but he's not done great. But, but do you think he's kind of, with the best intentions he had at the beginning of the season, obviously with his recruitment, you reckon it's kind of he's making the role his own. He's kind of giving that himself a security, but also the role to push the team on to get start going to where they used to be in the uh, sort of uh, early two thousands. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're suffering from a little hangover in nineteen twenty as well. Like we wanted to bring back the core of the team with blood off and uh, etc. And that's what we were planning on doing. And we were on for a trophy that year. We were still in the league title. We were going to Cardiff on the Wednesday. Who knows what could have happened there. Uh, playoffs was, was, wow, I know it's a lottery, but we were rolling. Uh, we lost once in regulation in like three months. So the, the, there's that factor of we've had a great season and we've had a year out. So there's a bit of excitement going into this year. Um, and Danny, I'm, I'm a fan of Danny. Uh, I know some people, it's not everyone's cup of tea. But he's been here for a few years, and he is trying to make his own stamp on things. He has made mistakes, but he's learned from them. Uh, recruitment for this year, he's brought in Nathaniel Halbert, who is probably one of the most defensive D-men we've had since Neil Martin. He's not Neil Martin's caliber, don't get me wrong, but he, he, he's excited. He's a player that we, we like to see. 
Uh, and I think with Danny, we have got a good coach, and I, I want to stick there and move forward. Kind of following on from that, obviously on rink and off rink, um, it's kind of commentaries from an outside looking in. It's kind of you had the the, uh, the ACDC years where the titles were coming in and it all was good yeah. and kind of a bit of a dip. Do you reckon? As much as you've said it's frustrating, or it's been frustrating so far, do you reckon it's kind of started slowly getting back to where Coventry were, both on, off, ice, so the attendances, I believe, are, 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 are kind of on the increase? Do you reckon it's, this year is kind of the start of, as a, as a Coventry perspective, going back to where they were? Yeah, I mean, like, our fan base is, is, a, is a solid fan base, and we do do what we can to get new blood in. I think that uh, off ice with the, the social media kind of thing, we've got that right. Um, when I, with our sign-in announcements, and we do gain a bit of excitement for to get the season started. Our match night experience has grown as well. Uh, the guys off the ice do do what they can, and you know, like it's not just a mundane stuff. Uh, the music's improved. They, JD obviously gets the crowd going. Obviously, we had the issue the other week, but as a whole. He, he he does a does a fantastic job, and even though the games we have lost, I mean, when we've lost games to Belfast and the Sheffields, the budget they've got a higher lot budget. Um, we try to compete, but we we are kind of winning the games that you want to be winning. So I don't think people go away from our games thinking, oh, we didn't try tonight. And that's one thing with the Coventry fans: we don't always have to be winning, but we want a player to give a hundred percent. And we've had that in the past with like players like Ryan Janan. They scored 50 goals in the year, but the fans didn't really adhere to him because he didn't work hard. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense if you're winning, but because we didn't win anything, it's like the Blaze fans want a hard team and a hard-working team. And if we do that, you get the support. I must admit the the uh, sign announcements were head and shoulders above everybody in the league and we mentioned a number of times on the podcast today but yeah, it's another good one from Coventry it kind of like a, re- a regular theme another conversation that's kind of hard is is the, the strength of goal is across the league um, and in particular CJ Mott yeah. being probably the best out of a good bunch from again from a Coventry perspective having the strength week in week out you're facing what's it like to have kind of the, the guy everyone talks about as being the number one um, and, and his ability to, to win games when you probably shouldn't do yeah definitely and the thing is with Mott he he, he wants to be here um, we've had a habit of keeping players we probably shouldn't have kept I mean you mentioned ACDC earlier Sheffield were in for him those two every year um, but once you get looked after well that actually little bit of money isn't always the same or won't turn people's heads. And Mott got the offers for, from other teams in the league and that, but he just wanted to come back and he, he, he wanted to play here. So that, that's a, that's the positive of the Coventry plays. But when you're watching games and he, he just gives the defense a bit of a G up when he's making saves, he shouldn't. And you, like one-on-one, he, you, you back him to make the saves. And that has won his games in the previous season and it's definitely one of those games this season I must admit you mentioned the 1920 season and I felt you'd have won the playoffs on the back of CJ Mott um, and again you, you say you know that, that save in Belfast even I'm like how on earth has he done that that's yeah. just not that's now can't be but he, he's doing it left right centre and, and fair play to him so moving from the goals to, to the the, uh, the other guys in the team Ferrara 
once again kind of leading the uh, yeah. right the points from. But do you reckon there's? A, and I know you mentioned a few other players. Anybody you'd say would have the highlights or the headlines so far this season for the Coventry Blazers? You'd have to you'd, you'd have to look at Nathaniel Halbert. Um, my only con, well not a con, it's probably not the right. He does take some silly penalties. He does take four four minutes a game, and that that that's the only downside to his game really. But he's very exciting. He gets the puck, and he goes. It's north. He wants to he wants to create plays, and he's scored a few goals this season. Uh, he he's he's been a a real highlight. And then we brought in Yanni Kivalati in the in the middle of the season. Another finished guy. The guy's got skill. He's very small and nimble, but he shoots puck. And he's, he's he's picking up points and a very exciting player to watch. Excellent. Um, kind of a bit more on Ferrara. Um, obviously went from Sheffield to uh, to Coventry. Uh, weren't getting the chance. He kind of, I suppose timing's probably the better word. Where he was competing with Liam Kirk and mm. um, Paul Thompson obviously took the the chance with Liam Kirk. But do you reckon that move made or helped Ferrara? Do you reckon he's kind of going to become as iconic a player for the Coventry Blazers as an Ashley Tate? Definitely. I mean, Danny, when Danny got Luke in, he said, you're you're not guaranteed top six. You need to work for it. And he has. And he's backed himself. And I spoke to him myself, and he says, this is through hard work and dedication for me that I'm getting these points and put myself in the situations to score. He's got a hell of a shot. Uh, it's a very deceiving shot. And not many goaltenders can deal with that shot when he when he gets it released. I mean, in the nineteen twenty season he, he was struggling in the first half season and it was a greasy goal in Glasgow that he scored that knocked him on. I mean, he had a great line, Andrew Johnson and Larkin and Johnston was the workhorse, didn't get the praise he deserved. Larkin made all the plays. We just backed Luke just backed himself and he's took that into this year with the confidence He's our top point scorer, top goal scorer. Um, and you feel like something's going to happen when he's on the ice. And I'll be well, he does that um, in Finland at the World Champs. <laughs> Assuming he's picked, but I can't see why not. Um, kind of sticking on Brits for just for another question. Any other, any of the younger Brits that we should be keeping an eye on? We've asked this question to, to all the, the the fans that we've been interviewing. Is anybody that we should be keeping an eye on as the, the next up-and-coming players that we may see in a Blaze jersey in, in years to come? Well, we had... Uh... He's in Sheffield at the moment. We um, had Ripley guest for us the other week in Glasgow. Uh, two goals, banged them in, just played the game the right way. Um, and hopefully we can look at getting him on a two-way in the in, in next year. He's not one of ours, but we, we're we going to claim him. Uh, and then we've got Austin Mitchell-King as well, who played for us in the Elite Series. Big guy. Uh, be interesting to see how he develops. Very, very confident in his ability. Um, so Austin Mitchell King's kind of the one we want to look out for I reckon you mentioned the Elite Six I saw I noticed um, uh, Ivanov uh, guested for you um, yes he was one of your guys at the Elite Series do you reckon that kind of helped commentary in terms of a better word a bit of networking kind of yeah come along here play for us and we'll see where things go I think with our Brits as well uh, we've got the core of the Brits have kind of stayed the same and they are known when a good new guy comes in that they look after the imports, they look after the Brits. David Clements, absolute like character in the room, but he cares. And same with Ross Venus, they will take a guy on and look after him. And they want to see guys develop because they've been in that position where they had to go when given the chance in commentary and wait and earn their stripes. 
So they will do what they can for any new players coming in. And we need to have a strong brick core because we haven't got the budgets to compete with the imports. And I think we are very lucky in what we have in our brick core. And there's not many teams that wouldn't sign our players if they could have the opportunity. This is certainly one or two. I'd certainly take Kurt wearing orange. Um, that's for sure. So last question, kind of is one we put the spot on. Um, will Coventry make the final four? And if you think they will, do you reckon they'll repeat 2015? Um, I think it will be a struggle. Um, I hope, I think we're going to try and aim for fifth place if we are to to make the final four. I think the top three will be Belfast, Cardiff and Sheffield. Um, it'll be a struggle to get through to them, but you never know. Um, if we, I think if we can get fifth and try and get fourth place, we can definitely make the final four. And then it's a one-off game. Who said we would have beat Belfast and, who's, and Sheffield? I mean, sorry, David, we actually blown you away that day, day, didn't we? And it was a, a convincing win in the end. So I can't remember, so it's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I think a few rolls of the dice need to fall our way. Then who knows? Uh, you, you tell me who knows. But uh, Scott, thank you very much for giving up your time this evening. Uh, no problem. Thank you. And next on the podcast, we head to, in my humble opinion, the wrong side of the Pennines. However, we do have a, a Manchester Storm fan. Um, Carlsey, thank, first of all, thank you for giving your time this evening to join us. That's OK. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. So we'll, we'll go straight to the questions. As a Storm fan, how's the season gone so far? Um, I think if I had to describe the season with one word, it would be disappointing. Um as a Manchester fan, you've got to, we're always realistic with our expectations. Um, I know we had the one wonderful season when we finished second in the league um, on the Finity when we had a lot of really talented players who've been in the league before. Um, but aside from that one season, it's been trying to make the playoffs every season. That's the expect. That that's the hope. Um, but this season's been it's been tough. Um, we've got a couple of players who've really stood out who are having really good seasons. We've had a few that have been disappointing from the seasons we've had them in the past. Um, and we've had issues galore in goaltending. Um, I think we've got three goaltenders at the moment who've all played at least 10 games in the season, which is unheard of. Um, and all of them have an under 900 save percentage, which doesn't help. Um, so I think we're a little bit behind where we'd like to be. Um, but there's still several, there's still a long way to go. There's still many games, and it's quite congested from about fifth place down. It's quite close. So I think if we get a good run of games, anything is possible. And obviously, Manchester, one of the four teams that took part in the Elite Series. So I suppose, how, how good has it been with, obviously, the break with COVID to have the full season of hockey back? Um, oh, de- oh definitely, yeah. Um, the, the Elite Series was unique because we saw players play for Manchester that we never expected to see us play. So getting the likes of the Bens in Ben Davis and Ben Lake, both dressing for Storm, and going to see what they've done this season um, at, their, at their new teams. But it is good just to see a bit more variety in the games we're playing, getting to see the Scottish teams again, getting to see uh, Belfast, um, getting to see Cardiff, just seeing the, the big boys again, who sometimes... We, it, we regret when we come to them, thinking, "Oh no, we're getting to get a hammering." But it is just good because you want to you want to face the best. It's that you want to play the best teams in the league and pit yourselves against them. And 
sometimes we we do we put a really good show on. And we know in Sheffield with Ryan Finity has a habit of recruiting good players. Um, yeah, you know, no one can take that away from him. Um, and there's been a, a number of new guys that has come in, into Manchester. How do you reckon they've uh, they've kind of settled into to the the storm and, and the, the season in the league? Um, I think I think the new players that have come in, especially the ones who've joined during the season, have played well. We've had a few uh, come and go already. I know Mark McNulty um, left and joined Cardiff and is doing really well there. Um, and obviously we had uh, Wade McLeod leave early in the season and a couple of others. And with the new ones who've come in have looked good. Um, Austin Albrecht has played well. He doesn't put the points, but he does a lot of the gritty work that tends to go unnoticed. Um, Medrick Mercier at the back end has looked pretty solid alongside Dallas. He's playing well. Um, so the new, the new guys have come in. I know as a Storm fan as well, it's hard to expect a settled team. Um, we're, not a, we're not one of the bigger clubs that can tend to retain the players they have in seasons past. So we do see a lot of turnover. Um, and I think the expectancy is sometimes you expect the players just to come in and settle straight away. You've got to give them time. Um, and they're settled okay. We do see a lot of chopping and changing on the lines and the defensive combinations, which sometimes is required after a couple of bad games, but it, it, it is what, it's what's needed at times. And I think they're doing okay. Um, I think I'd like a little bit more on a consistent basis. Um, you'll see some games where they'll turn it on. We had the 4-2 win against Nottingham where everything seemed to click at home. But that's our only win in the last seven. So you have one really good game and a couple of really poor performances, and that's the frustrating part. You've, you've already mentioned or touched on in terms of the goalies, um, and you've been unlucky in terms, you know, you, if, if you have one starting goal to get injured, it's, it's bad enough. To have the replacement get injured it is is even worse. And, and fair play to Downey for the games I've watched him play. He's, he's done all right. But do you feel you'd have a stronger... A stronger chance in, in, in where you are at the moment had I mean it, it sounds a tough question but I suppose having that team chemistry because they've kind of, you've had game for a bit then Bakashiwa and then Jin and back and forth do you reckon if you had the consistency would obviously that would mean no injury Manchester would actually have been in a stronger position so far this year um, yeah, I think so. I think when Gin played, he played well. Um, the results weren't necessarily there, but you look, he played well, and then. Um, Jason Bakashua came in, who hadn't played a professional game, I think he was, for something like 18 months before he joined as a temporary deal. And then he played, and he played well. Um, obviously, when, you, when you're a goalie and you're 39 years old, injuries can always happen, and they can always run a risk. Um, but I think James Downey is the one, at the moment, out of all the Brits we've got, he, he's playing well. His numbers don't really back him up. Um, I think there are a couple of games this season where I don't like blaming people. The defence hasn't really helped him out. He's had a couple where he's been lit up. But he's actually playing very well for a youngster who's in a position I don't think he ever expected to be in, almost being our full-time starter. Um, he's actually playing really, really well. I think if we were, let's say, in like Dundee situation where they know who their starter is and they've had him all season, or Glasgow's with Starrett, if you have that as a solid goaltender who you know you can rely on throughout the season it, it, it would help I think we've done I think we recruited well bringing Bakashua in he's played well since Ginn's got injured um, but yeah I think if you have one input goalie who plays the majority of the season it definitely puts you in a better position 
So the next question's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's an opportunity to, to sell the person I mentioned, um, who I think is becoming the league's favourite pantomime villain, Lyndon Springer. I wonder who this will be. Lyndon Springer. As a Manchester fan, what uh, you know to the outside world, what does he bring to the table for the Storm? Well, as a Manchester fan, I love Lyndon Springer, and I think any team would love him if he was on their team. Um, the thing with Lyndon Springer is he is a fantastic player, a fantastic ice hockey player when he's on the ice. Keeping him on the ice is the issue. I think only one defenseman for us has got a better plus-minus than he has this season. He's only on a minus two. Because when he's on the ice, he's calm, he's a leader. Um, he has got a really good shot on him, and he, does, he doesn't get the points he probably should do. But he's a very good skater, and he knows how to rile people up. The problem he has is when he gets riled up, we in the penalty box know about it. And he, he is a, he, I can see why everyone else hates him. I fully get that. He has moments where he annoys us as home fans. But he does offer a lot on the ice when he's there because he is, he is the lead. He is the captain without being a captain. And we all laugh and joke about it, but it would be boring without the villains um, in any season. So, fair fair play to him. So, you mentioned it a few players. And, and again, outside looking in, you look at Brady and, and Van Werman, who's been getting the headlines, obviously, with the points this so far this season. From a Manchester perspective, do you reckon there's any other players that deserve equal headlines? Um, yeah, Adam Brady is he is the star. Um, I think in the top, I think it's something in the top nine point scorers. I think Belfast, Sheffield, and Cardiff are eight of them. And then Brady is the other one. Um, he is he is incredible. Um, he, I know he's your first line centre, and you expect big things at your first line centre. But I think if I remember rightly, after looking this weekend, he had two. He's two points behind our leading point scorer from our last full season, and there's like sixteen games to go. He is having a fantastic season. Um, but I think if there's one other player, uh, Van Worm is just, he is, he is class. He's a bit of a gritty forward, but he scores goals and he knows how to get the fans on his side. If I had to give a shout out to one other player, though, who's really had a big season, is Ben Wilson. Ben, ben Wilson's a player that a lot of people, if you don't if you don't pay attention to things that aren't the scoring side, you won't really re- recognise him. He is the shutdown defenceman of this team. And he is, he is a he is another bit one of those leaders. He's paired with Joe Hazeldine, and I think that's why we're seeing him come on leaps and bounds because he has got someone who's experienced, who does a lot of. He must be up there for in blocks, block shots because the amount of blocks he puts in is ridiculous. Um, but he does, he just does so much gritty work, and whenever Ben Wilson's on the ice, you just feel more confident that you're more likely to score than you are concede. Because he puts himself in positions where if the team's in trouble, you know Ben Wilson will be around the puck to make sure that it doesn't go in. Oh, fair play. You mentioned one of the Brits in Hazardown, and we'll go on to them. So Manchester's Brit cause is, is, is OK, and you know it's, it's got some good talent in there. So which ones have stood out for you? Amongst the court, and then is there any of the younger guys? the younger guys who we should keep an eye out for. Um, well, I think Hazel Dean is the is the headline Brit for us. Um, he's the only one. Him and Zach Sullivan, anyway, are the only ones who are who you can rely on. And Hazel Dean gets a lot of ice time as well. 
he's often on the ice. He's not treated as some of the other younger Brits are, where they get bit parts during the games. Hazel leans in the top six, and a lot of the time, he's actually on the starting pair with Ben Wilson. They are a reliable pair. Um, as for the younger Brits we've got, you don't see as much of them on the ice. So I'd probably have to say James Downey. Um, I, I, I think he's on at 20, 21 years old maximum. Um, he still looks like a 12-year-old. He's a baby face, if ever there was one. Um, but he is. I think he can be a starter in this league in a few years. Um, I think the, the experience he's getting at the moment, it looks bad now for him at times, but it will help him in a couple of years. And I think we'll see good things out of James Downey. And I think the other youngsters we've got, Especially Finley Ulrich, he's the other one I'd give a shout out to. Um, he actually gets a lot of power play time, and he does get opportunities. Now, I think if it was a more experienced player, he'd probably have more points than he's got. He just needs to. He's just settling into his role a bit better now, and he's getting more opportunities than he did at the start of the season. And I think as time goes on, we'll see a lot. We'll see really good things out of Finley Ulrich. No, that's really good to hear. Um, it's a question we've asked well, all everybody we've interviewed so far. So, last question. Put you on the spot. Um, will Storm make the postseason? And if your answer is yes, could they make the final four? I think they can make the postseason, but on current form, I'd say they wouldn't. They've only won one of our last seven games, um, which is really concerning. And in the last weekend, even though we didn't complete one of the games due to the unfortunate emergency in the Sheffield game, um, we've con- we still managed to concede. 13 or 14 goals in those two games at home. Um, so on current form, I think we'd struggle. I think if we did make the playoffs, I think we could make the final four as long as we avoided Sheffield because we do not beat Sheffield in Sheffield. Um, I think we can beat, we've proven we can beat Cardiff and Belfast at home. And I think we can. We could hold our own away um, to try and sneak through. I think if we avoided Sheffield, we'd have a chance. But I'd Right now, will we make the playoffs? My honest answer will be no. I don't think we're good enough to pass Glasgow or Dundee. I think they're the two teams we're chasing. Well, who, who knows? Uh, I remember when Storm took Steelers to a shootout in the playoff final many, many years ago. Um, it has been out there, it was a long time ago, but uh, hopefully, you never know. It may happen again. There's, there's so, still 16 games to go. Anything is, but a lot of things can happen. Normally, you're thinking it's one month left of the season, but actually, it's, it's a full two months. So, like you said, anything can happen. Carl, thank you very much for giving me time this evening. Um, really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. That's okay. No worries at all. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Right, coming back from those interviews, again, thank you very much to Mitch, Scott, and um, Carl. Thank you very much for that. Uh, again, like I said last week, it seems very weird saying that when I've just said. Thank you to them and, uh, and enjoy about 30 seconds ago. But, um, yeah, gents, we'll move straight on from those interviews. Um, we'll go straight to the next section, which actually is a bit later on in the agenda than usual, um, primarily because we forgot about it at first, is the um, the airport section. So we have three arrivals and departures um, this week. Uh, the first is Marcus Cancampera from the Dundee Stars has left to go to HC Bolzano. Um, the Dundee Stars have signed Calvis Ozols from Anglet uh, and the Guildford Flames, I believe earlier today actually, announced the signing of Liam Hughes, a netminder that's just been playing for the Fort Wayne Comets in the ECHL. Um, 
We'll not discuss Can Campera just because we usually don't discuss leaving players quite as much. Uh, so we'll go straight to Calvis Ozols for the Dundee Stars. What do we make of this one? Pause while everybody opens Elite Prospects. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm, his, his, his resume looks... We've seen players that we obviously we've never watched, but the resume kind of gives an indication. And for me, this looks like it's more a, a body um, that you know will do a job just by getting the bench a breather. Okay, he's had three seasons in the Esteliga, um, had a stint in the MHL, which I think is the is that the one below the KHL. Um, and he's been in a few different leagues and I, I don't know like I said we've seen players that have come through they stand out the resume goes yep yeah, he's going to do this he's going to do that I don't have that vibe on this one yet it's not to say he won't but it just doesn't say, it, it's, it's, it comes across more it's a body that will help the bench than anything else um, there's not a whole lot to really add to it um, over the last few seasons uh, he's got a couple of Manises in there I think his best season he had uh, with I believe his Ben O'Connor's current team Sheikh uh, Sharada in the Romanian League in 2015-16 where he had a plus 24 uh, and 21 points in that uh, 20 games he spent there um, bravo for that pronunciation by the way it's probably wrong, but thank you. Um, but since then, he's not done a whole lot. Uh, oh, he did. No, he's, he's, he's not done a whole lot since then. Um, not played in some massive leagues by any means. Uh, but, yeah, I have to agree. I, I think it is just a body. Um, just just someone else to uh, play maybe a, a bit of a shutdown, shutdown sort of role. Um, I think Dundee are in a decent position to make the playoffs, so I think it is just just, just that extra person in the lineup is going to be uh, a massive difference to the ones currently currently in it. Maybe just a bit of a a stopgap, a, a bit of breathing space for somebody with Dean, maybe some niggles as well. So maybe just a smart move in bringing someone in, uh, but uh, obviously we're not really seeing him yet. So until we see him, we can't really. Uh, judging, but uh, definitely looking forward to watching him play and see what he, he can bring to this Dundee side. Yeah, if you listen to the words of Omar Pasha, he says, Calvis has great size and is capable of playing in all situations. He has an excellent defensive awareness and for a big guy, he moves well and will not be afraid to support the attack. The fact that he's also a right-handed D-man is a huge bonus heading into this playoff run down the stretch. Um in fairness, we're talking about not many stats to talk about, not really many um, many comments to talk about either, really. Um, quite sparse on the ground in terms of um, any real detail in that interview with uh, with Omar Pasha. But if this guy is someone to bring in as a body on the back end to replace Can Campera, I can see him being quite a like-for-like replacement. If my memory of Can Campera was quite a big body on the back end, took a few penalties, threw in a few hits, you know, liked to play that physical side on the back end of the game. Um, this guy looks very similar in fairness, 6'6 six, six in height, 214 pounds, he's a big guy. Um, if you look at his penalty minutes column in fairness in some seasons, 17 games in the Norwegian League, 55 penalty minutes. Um, you know, 36 
games in the Latvian league back in 2011-12, 66 penalty minutes. So he has a history previously of taking quite a few penalty minutes, um, you know, in the past. So who knows? Who knows what kind of player he's going to be? And again, this could be another kind of player that we're saying, actually, yeah, he was a diamond in the rough for them. Or it might be a player that at the end of the season we go, never going to remember him again. So... Who honestly knows? Um, but Dundee needed someone to replace Can Campera. They've got a big unit on the back end. Um, if he if he helps them, great. If he doesn't, not really lost out on anything, to be fair, have they? I mean, they've lost the guy already. It's not like they've replaced him. So, fair play to him. Anything else on uh, on Ozols? Oh, right, we'll move straight on to the next one then. Uh, which is the Guildford Flames signing the goalie Liam Hughes from the Fort Wayne Comets. Straight back over to you guys. Interesting signing. Um, I'm not sure how much he'll get game time in Guildford, if truth be told, unless uh, Linsick's carrying an injury. He has OK stats junior. Um, he's got a winning record in the WHL under in 10 games. Um Goals against high, but in a safe percentage in the 900s. Um, it's three games in the East Coast, under three goals against, just shy of 900 safe percentage. I don't think he's going to be the worst goalie, and I'm not saying that in a disparaging manner, but given the strength of goals we've had this season in the Elite League, I'm not sure he, he matches the standard. But again... It could be someone that surprises everybody and just gives Linsick that rest. Who knows? I, this definitely found under wait and see. For, for a 22-year-old, um, not bad stats at all, to be honest with you. Not bad at all. Um, as, as mentioned, he's got a very good save percentage when it comes to the uh, West Hockey League in the uh, Canadian Juniors. And since then, he's, 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 he's done okay. He's done okay. He's not played many games in the last um, couple of years. I think his best being the back end of 2020 with 32 games. But since then, he's, he's only played 11 games. So it's not a lot, but still a decent percentage nonetheless. Uh, for a 22-year-old, I can certainly see him being a guy that they're looking to keep on for a couple of seasons, just to see how he does. Uh, just really to make a name for himself, I guess. In um, I suppose Lindsay Goo getting to almost to, to end his career now. Um, maybe are looking for someone a bit more long term. Uh, very unusual to have a team sign a goalie though uh, this late in the season. So we can only assume, you know, it's uh, it's just giving him an extra sort of push in the playoffs. See if Lindsay does get injured or if he's carrying something that isn't serious now, but that that could pause or cause a threat when it comes to playoff time so maybe it's a, a smart decision on their part but also it the, looks like they've got someone being young that they are willing to uh, to, to sort of develop and keep on so uh, this could either be uh, you know um, a move that if he does get game time then that'll be the uh, sort of answer we get really as, as to whether you know he's uh, a bit out of his uh, depth or actually, it'll be quite 
a good find and one to watch out for the future. Uh, but only time will tell. But promising is what I'll say about Hughes. Anybody else feel like Guildford's just found themselves a Jeremy Brodeur? <laughs> just a very bizarre. Let's sign a let's sign a token third goalie and then not play him. Is is kind of what I imagine this is going to play out like. Um, Andy, you you've hit the nail on the head for me. Twenty two year old goalie. There's every chance that they might want to keep him on. He's going to be a guy that wants to prove himself. You know, he's come out of the U Sports League. He's played a few games in the ECHL. You know. He's going to want to make a career for himself one way or the other. So he's coming to Guildford looking to use that as a platform to move himself up to higher leagues. We've said it before, it's great to see our league being used as a stepping stone and not a retirement league. So that's a, that's a great move in terms of the league. Um, coming down to Guildford, Paul Dixon said, with the transfer deadline coming up, we know we have to finish the season with three goalies on the roster. Having spoken with Liam, he's definitely enthusiastic about the chance to come in here and show himself, and we're looking forward to meeting him and getting him on the ice. With any luck, we might be able to do that this coming weekend if all the final paperwork can be secured. Again, very thin on the ground in terms of comments, and I can't quite work out why. Um, He doesn't say anything about his ability, doesn't say anything about his style of goaltending, doesn't say anything about... You know, oh, he's a great player. We've watched him play. He literally just says, we knew we had to sign a third goalie. He's enthusiastic. We're looking forward to getting him on the ice. If I was Liam, I'd, I'd kind of be questioning what I've done because that doesn't sound like they've got any enthusiasm about him coming. It, it sounds like, they've oh, we've got a 22-year-old who wants to come and play for us and we need a third goalie. So just, just sign him. Why not? Um, Stat-wise, like you guys have said, there's not really much to go off. Um, you know, not bad, not bad at all. Three games in the ECHL, 89% and 2.97, it's not bad at all. Um, like you said, Andy, 22 years old. Um, that's his first, was that his first pro? Coming straight out of the U Sports League, 89.1% and 3.73 in the U Sports. So, yeah, he looks he looks like a decent fit. He's going to be a decent fit for the uh, for the Guildford Flames if they give him some ice time. As I say, very much strikes me as a... Um, it's a Jeremy Brodeur kind of signing. Interestingly, um, Elite Prospects has got him down as a right catcher and then has a picture of him as a left catcher. So who knows what's actually going on there. But um, yeah, six foot three, another goalie with some size. We might be finishing this season, boys, going, can you remember when they signed Liam Hughes? That was a great signing. And he's going to stay there for the next five years. Who knows? We've never really slated the Steelers in terms of signing Jeremy Brodeur. That was always, uh, we've got an extra important netminder, just in case he didn't play a game, left at the end of the season, we suffered no detriment from it other than paying him a wage. So in fairness, in terms of the Guildford Flames side, it's a win-win. If they don't need him, that's because Linscoop's playing well, and he stayed healthy. If they do need him, they've got him. So... Interesting signing for them. We'll uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I wouldn't expect him to get much game time if if Linsku could stay healthy. Uh, anything else on uh, on any of the signings, gents? I'm seeing shaking heads. So we'll move on to the next thing on the agenda. Uh, this one's going over to Dave because it's the topic that he's not had much chance to talk about recently. It is of course the CHL. And not just any CHL conversation. It's the conversation about the final. 
the 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 end of the tournament. Um, got my uh, finest clothing ready to watch the game. Uh, Roglic versus Tapera. Um, on a selfish perspective, I hope Tapera win. I'm going to say up front because I can imagine that trophy gets aired during the World Championships. Just going to throw it out there. Um, but it's you know it's another good competition. Uh, Rogler first season just rock up and uh, host the final. Stats wise in this year so far, I would suggest Rogler may nick it. Hopefully, um, the crowd restrictions have been lifted and they get a full crowd because that'll be Rogler's arena is quite compact and that'll be a good atmosphere. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, again, that's next Tuesday. Um, See you next Tuesday, CHL. There we go. Um, I think it's 7 p.m. our time. Um, check Champions Hockey League website to confirm that this time. I think it's 7 p.m. our time. But uh, should be a good game. You know, we've not. The, the good thing is you're going to have a new name on the trophy. Full under on in the final. Um, to everyone's shock so it's a chance for someone to create a bit of history I'm looking forward to that game uh, just because it's obviously the final um, and you know it'd be nice to see another arena in Sweden sold out for the final Andy you're on mute mate thank you um, <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Way. <laughs> um, personally, I'm I'm not really sure to root for. On, uh, in my opinion, I think on one side, um, I'd like to see someone else other than a Swedish team win it. For the first time in quite a quite a long time. So there's that. But then I do like, I do like the look of Rogler being their first season, but they've been incredible. No, they're playing in in this like that, like they've played it many times, and they've and they've been in the final many times. So uh, it's great for them in their first season to make it this far, and they've got a really a really strong uh, group of players there as well. So it could go either way. Uh, I'm I don't really have anyone that I'm rooting for. I just hope it's a it's, it's a good entertaining game, uh, and and that's all you want. Uh, it's hockey fine as a neutral. Uh, just should be a good game and don't really care what, what the result is could just sit back and and enjoy it uh, but yeah it's, it's going to be a, a very very um, tough place to play I think if if we can get a full barn in, in Rugby it, it'd be a very very intimidating place it's not the biggest of arenas but it's very uh, enclosed and, and very close to the ice and I think you know having that atmosphere there will make it a very uh, fortress, sort of in, intimidating place to play if, if you are Tapera. So, uh, very much looking forward to watch this. Really, I'm really I'm buzzing for it. There was a lot of speculation that it wasn't going to go ahead because obviously they're still uh, continuing uh, with uh, the COVID protocols and things like that. Then, I'm not, not sure if it's changed uh, in Scandinavia at the moment, but you know, it's, we're just very lucky to still have this on and uh, fingers crossed until that day, nothing nothing happens. No one else um, in the organisation um, gets ill or anything. So fingers crossed, it all goes smoothly until then. And uh, it's a good game of hockey and we're looking forward to watch it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think looking at the website and flash score, it's a six o'clock face of our time, I think, but I may be wrong. Um, live stream will start shortly before face off if there is no geo blocking in effect for your location. Someone say VPN. 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 But no, it, it, do you know what, gents? It looks like a great game. Um, I, I agree with, with with the clients about it'd be nice to, to see a, a non-Swedish team win it. But also, it's nice to see Frölunda not there. Um, and that's no disrespect intended to Frölunda. It's just quite a breath of fresh air to have something completely different. Um, both teams have got the potential to win it. Both teams have got the ability to win it. And in fairness, it'd be great to see either of them do it. Rogler have got a great story behind it in terms of... Um, Obviously, it being their first season in the CHL, so that would be quite cool to see a, a, a team go all the way, beat Frölunda and win it in their first season in the CHL. Uh, Tapara, on the other hand, would they be the second Finnish team to win it if they won it? Yeah, second yeah, team. Yvaskula, uh, wasn't it, the first? Yvaskula, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the flip side, it would be nice to see a non-Swedish team win it again, just because, obviously, Frölunda as a Swedish team have dominated so much, so... I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Andy. I don't really care who wins um, as much as, as, as just want to see a good game. As long as we can tune in, watch a good game of hockey, I'll be more than happy. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say on this game, gents. I've just been flicking through the um, the CHL website and I've noticed that they've got the votes up for the top goal of the tournament. And actually, uh, the, one of the Cardiff goals is up there at the moment. Cole Sanford scoring against Lausanne. Um, yeah. He's currently winning the vote against Eric Thorell from Sparta Prague. I've just watched the video of it. It's not the best goal I've ever seen, but still quite good to see um, an elite league team and an elite league, elite league goal up there. No matter who you support, you should be able to uh, to still look at that and go, that's good to see. So, yeah. Anything else on CHL, gents? Um, yeah, it's one thing for me. Uh, one player who played in Canada, uh, uh, well, sorry, for Canada in the recent Winter Olympics, uh, Adam Tambellini, who did pretty well, to be honest with you, got a fair few goals, fair few assists, uh, and every game uh, I, I, I watched him and he was incredible. And he's playing for Rugby this season. Uh, so, and he is currently fourth top scorer in the whole competition. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs after... Um, after the, the Olympics, uh, and they've got quite a few actually, Rogler. They've got, they've got three in the top ten. Uh, then they've got Dennis Everberg, who just missed out in the top ten, being in 11th. Uh, and Tapera has one, and that being uh, Rantakari. So it's quite a lot for Rogler. They're actually in the top ten or just outside, and there is compared to Tapera, so be interesting to see if they start where they left off uh, in the competition and uh, show where they are, the, the top scorers in, in the competition so far. I've said a look at the uh, Rogler website to see if you can still purchase tickets, um, and it would appear that you can't. Now, unless that's because they have still have restrictions, but if they haven't, it would indicate that we have a sellout. It's going to be a good atmosphere if that's the case. A great atmosphere. Anything else on CHL, gents? Seeing shaking heads, so we'll move forward. Uh, only a couple of things left on the agenda, to be fair. Uh, it's the return after a couple of weeks of Stafford Stats. So, uh, Andy, straight over to you, mate. 
that came around quicker than I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> That's I'm his short way of saying he's not got the elite league, elite league page up yet. I'm still an elite prospect, so I'm, I'm halfway right. <laughs> Don't worry, Andy, it's all for the greater good. The greater good. I mean, that's playing up now. Bear with. <laughs> What's up? What means that? Plumbing work, and it doesn't. Blame it on Lenovo. It's basically a mobile phone. It's nothing to do with Lenovo. It could still be Lenovo's fault. It could be. One more attempt, and surprise, guys. Uh, there we go. Now it's loading. Okay. We're now so... we're, we're renaming Stafford's. That's amateur hour right now. <laughs> Well, this is not part of the uh, still social media. Anyway, um, in first pew, place. Pew. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Ooh, cat. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, league standings, as they are uh, today on the 25th now, because we are past midnight, so 25th February. Um, Steelers are in first place with 58 points. In second, we have Belfast with 56 points. Closely behind them, it's Cardiff with 55 points. And then uh, slightly a bit further down, uh, we have Nottingham with 38 points. Uh, if we can safely say from the fourth uh, onwards that they will not win uh, the league this year. So with Nottingham in fourth with 38 points. In fifth, got Guildford with 32. In sixth is Coventry with 30. Also with 30 in seventh is Glasgow. In eighth uh, and... Very, very tight, actually, between 5th and 10th uh, of those playoff places. Five may just miss out if they get a good run going, uh, but you never know. If those teams drop points, uh, then it's all to play for. We've got Dundee in 8th, uh, currently have that, that uh, playoff spot to the last one uh, so far. In 9th, we've got Manchester, we're just two points behind them with 27 points. And in 10th is Fife with 20 uh, with 20 points, but that's still not to say that like, they could still uh, make, relaxly make a playoff spot. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but uh, it's all pretty still wide open in both ends of the table. Uh, top point scorers, uh, slight change, not a whole lot. We've got Scott Conway, unsurprisingly, the top point scorer. He has 53 points. Uh, that's not bad going at all for, for a bit. Really, really good. Um, in seconds, in this particular category, we've got JJ Picnic. He has 51 points, just two points behind Conway. In third is Marco Valran with 49 points. Uh, we have a Stone player uh, still in fourth place. We've got Adam Brady with 33, 43 points. And also we've got Cardiff's Trevor Cox with 43 points. Uh, again, a whole lot of change again. Uh, when it comes to the goalies uh, and their stats, Jackson Whistle leads the pack. He has uh, played 10 games. He's got six wins. Uh, goals against average of 1.67 and a save percentage of 93.64. Closely behind that, we have Matt Carruth with 93.47. Again, again uh, second goal for Belfast. Tyler Baskarani, uh, he has 93.7. Rox Stajanovic still hanging on. Uh, he has 92.82. And again, uh, not really seen him play much this season, but Talon Cousin for the Devils, their backup, 92.64. Um, and for, to be honest with you, for teams like Cardiff and Belfast, to have both their goalies 
literally where they are right now in, in the top five in terms of goalie starts. That's some seriously good going, and, and and that just shows the strength in goaltending that both those teams have. Uh, and you know, maybe that's just that's the reason why they are in uh, they're in the Challenge Cup final for a reason. Uh, so maybe it could become a trend that we see them maybe maybe in the playoff final, maybe being the last two teams to fight for that uh, Elite League Championship. But looks like goaltending goaltending has been one of the strongest points uh, for both teams so far this season and uh, could be a contribution of, of why they win trophies. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, yeah, it's, it's very good going for both teams. Cheers, Mocha. Thank you for that. Um, a nice welcomed return of Stafford stats there for you. Um, anything else to add, gents, on that, or are we good to move straight forward to predictions? We'll go straight to predictions. So, again, we've got Greff's predictions this time as well. I've got them up on a computer next to me, so I'll go through his uh, as well as my own. Uh, the first, well, we'll start on Saturday the 26th. The first game we've got is Dundee versus Guildford in Dundee. Guildford 4-2. Dundee 3-2. Greff has said Dundee 4-3 in overtime. Uh, And I'm going to go Dundee 4-2. We've got Nottingham Sheffield in Nottingham. Sheffield 5-2. Is that Sheffield 3-2 in overtime? Let's say Sheffield 4-3 in regulation. Uh, Coventry Belfast in Coventry. Hold on, did I give Gress one on that last one? Sorry. No. Sorry, Greff said Sheffield 4-2. I wrote it down and then just didn't say it. Uh, for Coventry Belfast, I'm going Coventry 3-2. Belfast 5-3. <laughs> Greff said the same as you, mate. Belfast 5-3. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Belfast 5-2. Uh, Cardiff Manchester in Cardiff. Cardiff 4-1. Cardiff 5-2. Uh, Gref has said Cardiff 6-1. And I said Cardiff 5-1. Uh, last game on a Saturday, Fife Glasgow in Fife. Glasgow 4-1. Glasgow 3-1. <laughs> Greth said Glasgow 3-1. <laughs> I'm going to go Glasgow 4-2. Uh, on to Sunday the 27th, we've got Sheffield v Coventry in Sheffield. Uh, Sheffield 5-1. Coventry 2-1 in overtime. I could just see CJ Mart having an absolute blinder. Uh, Greff's gone Sheffield 5-3 and I've gone Sheffield 5-2. Uh, Glasgow, Cardiff in Glasgow. 
Glasgow 5-4. Cardiff 4-1. It's uncanny, this. Gret's gone Cardiff 4-1. Um, I'm, I'm going elf. Cardiff... I'm going Cardiff 5-2. Belfast, Manchester in Belfast. Belfast 4-2. Belfast 4-1. Let's go on Belfast 5-2. Uh, I'm going to go Belfast. I'm gonna, in fact, I agree with Gref. I'm going to go Belfast 5-2. Um, Guildford, Nottingham in Guildford. Nottingham 4-3. Nottingham 4-2. Let's go on Nottingham 2-1. I'm going Nottingham 3-1. Fife, Dundee in Fife. Five four three regulation. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I'm say five three one. Let's go on Dundee three two. I'm gonna go Dundee four three. On to Wednesday the second of March. Yes, we're in March next week. Ooh. Um Coventry versus Nottingham in Coventry. 5-3, Nottingham. 4-3, Nottingham after overtime. You've gone so close to Gref there, who said Nottingham 5-4 in overtime. Ooh. I'm going to go with Nottingham 4-2. Uh, five Sheffield in five last game of the week well last game until the next podcast at least uh, Sheffield 4-1 Sheffield 4-2 Greth's gone Sheffield 4-1 and I'm going to go Sheffield 5-2 uh, that brings this week's predictions to an end I'll quickly recap over last week gents as we had a full roster um, guessing much better actually out of 12 games uh, the last place goes to Dave last week with 7 7 last place not bad um, Gref gets the the second last place with 8 uh, Andy you and I are joint top with 9 Ooh. not bad going no. I actually got I got one less result right but then I got an actual score correct so yeah it's, uh, we're getting better, boys. We're getting better. That's not bad. Nine. That means, Andy, you only got three wrong. Yeah, you got Sheffield Cardiff wrong. You said Sheffield in overtime, so you weren't far off there. You said Glasgow to beat Guildford, and you said Manchester to beat Dundee. Not bad going, that. <laughs> Maybe you should start putting bets on based on our predictions. Uh, no. Maybe that don't jinx it. Don't think so. No. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, gents, in fairness, that's everything that I've got written down. Uh, so, AOB, any other business? 
one thing for me, I just think we should should mention it. Um, uh, as everyone knows, incident happened in Manchester against Sheffield on Saturday uh, with a fan, uh, unfortunately, falling ill during the game. Uh, the fortunate news is that we have heard that they had uh, quick medical treatment and they were uh, responsive and awake while they were receiving treatments. That's great to hear. We just want to wish the uh, people of Manchester fan, we just want to wish them all the best uh, and hope they are uh, doing well and, and recovering really well as well. Uh, and hope to see you again soon. 100%. Absolutely. I think the, the tweet put out by the league was something along the lines of they actually went home the same night it was the deemed that they didn't need emergency care and didn't need to go to A&E. So that's great news. Um, Fantastic. I don't think there was a single person watching that game that was thinking anything other than we hope that the fans okay. Uh, I know we were certainly messaging between the four of us saying this is really horrible. We don't want to see this at a game. Um, so, yeah, Andy, like you said, we wish the fan well. Hopefully they're back at a game soon if they're not already. And, um, yeah, horrible to see. So it's nice to see that they were uh, they were responsive and they were back home. Um, slightly somber note to end on, gents, but I don't think I've got anything else unless anyone has anything else to add. not seeing anything so gents I mean that's 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 it boys it's another one done part two done of the interviews in the mid-season review um so yeah thank you very much gents I'll go straight over to you guys but before I do I'll say about the social media because I've just remembered it's at MSN podcast on Twitter and Instagram it's my fancy Zamboni podcast on Facebook and if you want to get us on the discussions group it's my fancy Zamboni podcast discussion group on Facebook you should be able to join there on the Facebook page. If you're not, well, you can't do that. If you've got one of us on Facebook, drop us a message. Alternatively, drop the podcast a message on Facebook and we'll get you added to that, no problem at all. Um, until then, gents. Andy, thank you very much, sir. Good to see you back. That's a rich show. It's great to be back. Thank you very much again. Uh, thank you, Dave. Really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks to everyone at home as well. Uh, to listen to us travelling on for two and a half, two and a bit hours. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I think we're on round about a two-hour mark now, but then we've got we've got the interviews to add in as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, another probably another good two and a half hour. Yeah, two and a half hour, something like that. Offering standard length. Standard length. Hashtag the MFZ way. I'm not I'm not even going near that because I'm not spending an hour trying to end the podcast again. So I'm just going to... Dave, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Sandy. Um, thanks, Mitch, Scott, Carl. They were um, fun interviews, um, and I hope everyone enjoys them. Um, to everyone listening, thanks for giving up your time and listening to us ramble on. Um, and don't if, if we if we say something that you think's wrong, tell us. If you think we say something right, tell us. Because we certainly don't get the predictions right. Um, but uh, no, thanks everyone. It's uh, Another episode closer to uh, to the ton. Ten more to go, boys. Ten more to go. It's quite exciting. That also, I'll point out, also means that we're ten weeks away from playoffs because we worked that out that we were about. It was it, it fell on playoffs, didn't it? Or nine or ten weeks away from playoffs. It's, I think it's nine. I think it is nine. Yeah, because we had to have an extra one in, didn't we? Which is in the pipelines. It is. It is. Watch this space. Um, but yeah, until then, gents, thank you very much. Another enjoyable episode to record. Always fun, and it's, uh, it's been good that we've been back on the uh, the weekly episode. So, um, yeah, 
thank you everybody listening. Gref, um, I mean you've missed that many that many ep- episodes now just for going to gigs alone. I think you're spending more time on the injury reserve list than Nikita Kucherov did last year. So um, just come on waivers. He'll come back for playoffs, it'll be fine. His, his salary won't count to the cup, and then that's fine. We can win a cup with an illegal team. But um... <laughs> waivers and sending that to minors, that's, that's just like, I have to deal with it. But not, but not the Challenge Cup. <laughs> not the Challenge Cup. No, that's it. If you want to message us with questions, feel free. If you want to tell us you agree or you disagree with us, feel free. If you mention the uh, Challenge Cup, you will be blocked off the, uh, the, <laughs> off the discussions group. Um... Not, not that we're biased. <laughs> No, not biased at all. Not biased at all. Just don't comment on people doing their webcasts on a potato and then you can avoid the allegation of bias. Um, swiftly moving on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, yeah, apparently the shop's still open on concourse. And, um, yeah, we'll see you next time for another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Cheers. <laughs>